You are now listening to the Q&E Podcast. Is this what you want? Huh? Is this what you want? I'm coming in again, damn What's up, everybody? You are listening to the Q&E Podcast, and you're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. And I got Edgar on the other line. Edgar, tell the people what's good. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Q&E Podcast. Hey, man, we getting ready for the Super Bowl. This is Pro Bowl week, so this is a little low for Super um, for football talk this week. But we got a lot of NBA stuff coming for y'all of entertainment, current events. So one more week to the Super Bowl. We got this trash-ass little, little whatever Pro Bowl week. I was about on. to say, because what are we even doing with the Pro Bowl now, bro? We got skills games. It sounded like a cool idea because the old Pro Bowls were so trash. But now, once I'm seeing it, because the games have started today. Today is Thursday. So the game started today, and I'm kind of like, I ain't feeling this at all. No energy. The people at the games ain't supposed to be there. Like, Tyler Huntley made the fucking Pro Bowl. Like, it doesn't make any sense anymore. Like, what are we doing with the Pro Bowl now, bro? We we better off just kicking that shit to the curb, bro. Having this free week and everybody just doing what they want to do. Because this shit don't make no sense, dog. <laughs> but moving on to what really happened in this uh, NFL, we're going to have a Super Bowl recap. I mean, not Super Bowl, but NFL championship recap. We're going to obviously preview the Super Bowl. we got a lot coming with the, the uh, head coaching hires, entertainment and current events. If this is your first time listening, we do have five segments. We have our sports segment, Two Wild Wednesday, Social Media Wants to Know, Entertainment, and Pass the Ox. So definitely stick with us throughout this whole episode. And... For all of your sports betting needs, definitely go to BovadaSportsBook.com. First thing we're diving into is the NFL Championship Weekend, obviously. And uh, obviously, we got to talk about the best game of the week. We got to talk about the Bengals versus the Chiefs and talk about how heroic Patrick Mahomes is. We're going through injury, missing wide receivers, wide receivers injured throughout the game. Mahomes put the whole city of that damn Kansas City on his back to beat the Cincinnati Cincinnati Bengals in a thrilling game, bro. It was a lot that happened. You can criticize both. You can criticize the refs. But at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes got this shit done. So, Edgar, what was your biggest reaction to what happened in this uh, Sunday's matchup? Patrick Mahomes rose to the occasion. He had a I heard a lot of people saying, you know, he had like a Jordan flu game type of game. And and that's what we can remember this game by the fact that all the momentum going into the game was is Patrick Mahomes going to be healthy? OK, well, if he isn't healthy, how effective is he going to be? Is he going to be able to run? Is he going to be able to move in the pocket? He did all of those things to a high level. He played as if he wasn't hurt and we could see it. We could literally see him limping on the field. You know, in between snaps, uh, when he was in the pocket, he just his feet weren't shuffling as um as normal as they usually do. So the I fact don't that you know, bro. Him, I don't know. It was on some plays that nigga was running just fine, bro. After because it was out, it was after this one. No, nah, he was definitely limping. Pussy. Like halfway was, into the game, he was limping. It was honestly a part of that nigga script, bro. Let's keep it a bean. That nigga script said you got to be injured for the day. So that nigga was fake left around the field. Because after that Kelsey touchdown, that nigga was running full speed, no injury, my nigga. That was a part of that nigga script. I ain't going to say nothing. That was that nigga script. But you can continue. Well, we you do got to factor adrenaline. Like, he is playing with adrenaline. And he didn't get shots. Like, the doctors told him, like, he didn't need to get shots. Like, it wasn't that serious of of an injury. But it was hurting him as the game went on. Early in the game, yeah, he was fine. But later in the game, yeah, he was limping for sure. 
because you can see at points where he was running full speed, but then, yeah, like you said, later in the game, you can see it was waiting on him more. But it was weird how he would use his speed. He was honestly pacing himself, felt like, because it was sometimes yeah. where he would have more burst, uh, more burst than times before. He would put more power into his legs, into certain throws. So it was definitely affecting him time and time again. But at the end of the day, he got the key first down with his legs. And you can see that boy was struggling to get the Oh, Patty Mahomes, yeah. healthy Patty Mahomes, getting that bitch easy. And this time he was hurt, so you can definitely tell it was effective. And the defense stepped up for sure. I think that was the biggest takeaway for me. Patrick Mahomes played great. He played on a bum ankle because if they didn't win, people were going to use that in it as an excuse. So since they won, we have to give him credit for playing on the bum ankle. But the defense, Chris Jones, and that, um, that whole defensive front line, they played lights out, bro. Joe Burrow could not breathe for majority of that game. He had a comeback. He would. He had some Joe Burrow moments in this game for sure. But the defense, they had him on his heels, bro. I, I think they had what four or five sacks before the end of the game. Like it, it, it got ugly for Joe Burrow as the game went on. But he kept them in it. So I got to give Joe Burrow his credit for the fact that getting sacked every other play, damn near, you still got your team within a field goal. And this is the fourth game that they've ended in three points or less. The last mm -hmm. three times they played before this, the Bengals won all three times by three points or less. And they won, I mean, the Chiefs won this time by three points. So you see, this is going to be a rivalry for sure where we're never going to get a blowout with either of these teams. But that's the, my main takeaway from this game, honestly, is Joe Burrow. But it's not anything good about Joe Burrow. It's that Joe Burrow came up short. I think Joe Burrow had multiple opportunities to put his team in position to win this game, and he came up small. You can say, yes, the defense, the defense stepped up for Kansas City, but I don't think Joe Burrow made the necessary plays that he had to to elevate his team to a Super Bowl. Well, he, he had, had two, he had, he, had, he had two drives, bro. If he scored damn 20 points, bro. You had enough. You had all these weapons you got with T, Boy, Chase. You got, you can't give me those offensive line weapons because we seen him get to a Super Bowl with no offensive line last year. His offensive line was worse. So we could have said that same shit either year, but you still made the plays last year to make it to the Super Bowl. And I think this season he had opportunities and he didn't take advantage. He had two drives where it was 20 to 20 where he could have put his team in position to get a field goal to potentially win the game. And he came up short, bro. So like I don't want to hear that well, that offensive line shit. It's, it's on the it's on the it's on the quarterback. And the D line just running through your. What are you talking about? It's on the quarterback. At the end of the day, who's going to get the blame, bro? The quarterback well, we, is going to blame. You, you can't, can't say the offensive line was. We already knew the offensive line was an issue though. So why are we acting like saying, oh? oh, 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 oh. But I'm saying Joe Burrow didn't have any time to throw most of the time. Yes, now, he, did. he had not not majority of the game no, bro bro at the beginning like at the at times, the beginning bro. of the game that was on his head throughout the more the game progressed he had time to throw he just wasn't hitting his receivers bro and at the end of the game they ended up getting him but in the middle of that game and on those last couple possessions he had time bro he just didn't have anybody open Joe or he didn't hit his receivers huh joe burrow ain't, I bro, ain't it's, it's, you joe can play burrow a good game but come up you can play you can play a good game but you come up short in the big moments he came up short, bro, and Patrick Mahomes elevated. That's what I'm saying. I'm looking at Pat. I'm looking at Joe Burrow and said, "You came up short in the big moments, bro. You had two possessions." If we talking about Tom Brady, if Tom Brady came up short like that, we saying, "Oh, Tom Brady, why you didn't do anything with those last two possessions?" But since Burrow's so young, we giving him a pass feels like, and everybody's talking about Mahomes' greatness, and not enough people are talking about how Joe Burrow uh, underperformed. 
in those last two possessions. I think that's the bigger story to me because he had. Yeah, I, I won't deny that, but I wouldn't say that's a bigger story. I wouldn't say that's a bigger story Ooh. than anything the Chiefs did. The Chiefs Ooh. defensive line, they played like they wanted Joe Burrow head, bro. Like, it, and it is different. I understand that Joe Burrow's line was terrible last year due to injury and just not being as good. And then this year, due to injury, they weren't that good again. But we're talking about a team that they play consistently now. The Chiefs yeah. know the Bengals at this point as yeah. a real rival. So not only is your offensive line depleted at the moment, you're playing a team that has studied you, that has lost against you three times. You can say the same thing about the Chiefs, though, bro. Weekend. You can say the same thing about the Chiefs. The Bengals had the Chiefs number, but Patrick Mahomes still elevated his team to get and the dub. So why? That, we, that's we what I'm saying. I I understand that Joe Burrow didn't elevate, so I agree with you with that. I'm, I understand that he underperformed in a sense of, a. Hey, the key moments that you really needed to do something, you did it. So I understand. And it that, was that same. I, I'm and just it was, saying, I don't think it's a bigger thing than than what the Chiefs did. I, 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 I can see your point with that. But this is the thing, bro. It was the same thing with the Super Bowl last year. Everybody started to talk about how great Aaron Donald was, how great that defense was. And we all know that the Bengals offensive line was terrible last year. But to me, I think the Bengals should have easily won that Super Bowl last year. But Joe Burrow came up short. In the big moments, bro. But nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody just talks about how great that defense is. Uh, that, he that came up short last wild, year, bro. bro. He was up in that game in the second half, and he came up short in the big moments. You didn't hear about Joe Burrow in the fourth quarter at that Super Bowl, and it felt like the same thing in this uh, in this AFC Championship game. Joe Burrow, those last two possessions, we heard nothing. He didn't do anything for his team, bro. Yeah, throughout the game, you played good. You had your team in position. But in those last two drives where you could have won the game, he didn't do what he had to do, bro. They gave you two I, I times. The two I possessions against Patrick against Mahomes? Them. Two possessions against Patrick Mahomes? You got to take advantage, bro. You got to take advantage. I, I, I got to disagree with your point about last year, bro. You got Aaron Donald coming at you on the D-line. You got Von Miller in the middle of the field playing linebacker. And you got Jalen Ramsey, who was still a top three corner cornerback last year. Come on, bro. We don't want to hear those excuses, bro. That's not excuses. Those are excuses, bro. Because you got your team excuses. to that. You got your team to that point with this offensive line, bro. You learned how to work around it. it we but that's what I'm saying. Nobody expected the Bengals to do anything. Cool. We, it don't matter if nobody expected it. This year, not it don't matter. last year. It don't matter if nobody expected it. You got here, though, bro. So you got to perform when the lights are the brightest. And two times, in two fourth quarters, he came up short. That's what I'm saying. The Super Bowl, I felt like he came up short. And in the AFC Championship game, last two possessions, he came up short. If Patrick Mahomes gives you two opportunities to beat him and you don't take advantage either time. I agree. I can't blame the defense of the Chiefs or your offensive line. It's on you, Burrow. You got to win. If you're a superstar quarterback, top quarterback in this league, top two, top three quarterback, you got to put your team on your shoulders and put them in position to win this game. You have to. So that's why that's how I'm looking at it, bro. I got to Burrow has to be better in those moments, bro. Yes, he is a great quarterback. Yes, he's made it to a, a Super Bowl and a conference championship game. Congratulations. But he has to learn how to close the deal in these biggest moments. He's still young. He still has time to improve, obviously. I'm not saying that he's not going to win anything, but we've seen two years in a row him come up short in the biggest moments. I I I just can't hold last year against him, bro. You went into the Super First off, nobody expected y'all to be as good as y'all were. People expected some type of resurgence because Burrow came back. So we expected somewhat of a good season. 
We didn't expect AFC Championship. We didn't expect you winning the AFC Championship on the road. And then when you got to the Super Bowl, the Bengals weren't even the favorite to win the Super Bowl. And you, but it don't matter who the favorite is, though, bro. It, it matters what the position is in the game. You had your team. He scored 20 points in the Super Bowl with that offensive line. You scored 20 right. points. You gotta, you gotta make it, you gotta make it shake in the last minute. So the Super Bowl to win. I, I, you gotta make it I, shake I in the know. AFC Championship game, bro. You I, can't I give him these passes. It's cool. This year, I I'll I'll criticize him this year because there were expectations and the same way we expect Patrick Mahomes to rise up, we expect and let's be Joe honest, going in, so I hold this. That's what I'm saying. Him, but I can't hold. And that's what I'm saying. So why do we hold Patrick Mahomes to this standard, but not Joe Burrow? Because if if, Mah- if Mahomes would have done the same thing Burrow did, we going at Mahomes' head. He didn't. Go- he didn't capitalize. Even with the injury, niggas would have been talking down on Mahomes. But since it's Burrow, we giving him passes. Right now, but- he, go ahead, Mahomes go, ahead. Is in that strat- go ahead. Mahomes is in that stratosphere now, literally by himself. Even if you put Joe Burrow at one B, so Mahomes we have to is make that, that clear. He's gonna get unfairly criticized, but no matter what he does. So Same we have to make LeBron. that clear. We criticize okay. LeBron ten times different than how we would criticize anybody else. Kevin Durant will never face the same criticism. That's a good that point. LeBron faced this. That's a good point. So Mahomes, even if we have Joe Burrow at a one A one B position, there's still a big jump between that 1B and 1A, bro, to where but, we criticize. But look, so but what do we what do we what do we say last week though, bro? We said, me and you said if if Burrow win this game, Burrow number one. We both yeah, that said was if. if. That we, was a we, big we, ass that, if. That was a big ass if, but we said that. So if he up there in that, so going into the game, they was neck and neck because if Burrow won, he number one. You beat him four times, you number one, bro. So we yeah. can't, they were on the same level going into the game. So we got to give them the same level of criticism. So after the game, after the game, we can say, yeah, it's a difference. Mahomes with injury, he did what he did. While receivers getting hurt, he did what he did. So yeah, it's a it's a difference between one one A and one B or whatever you want to say, one or two. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference now. But going into the game, it was neck and neck. Niggas was questioning it Mahomes. Was. It was. So that's what I'm saying. It you got to give him the neck. same level of criticism, bro. Same level. But I understand your your KD point. That's a good that's a good point you bring up. And uh, but yeah, Mahomes, Mahomes, I think that's the that's another big key, bro. Mahomes really solidifies himself. Like you can't question that nigga's spot yeah, in, in the NFL and no more, bro. At Josh Allen, Herbert, Burrow, none of them niggas are Patrick Mahomes at the end of the day. Like it, it doesn't yeah. matter, bro. If he's doing that with injury, overcoming what well, and I will say this too, because I do think he has some help by the refs. Because, bro, have you ever seen anything that we seen on that one third down where they gave them a down back? I've never seen that bro, shit before I've in my never life. Seen that I've before. never I've seen that never in my seen life. That. I've never I seen that in my life. About that, bro. I'm like because even if the because they say when they played the take back, you I guess you see the referee running. He's trying to run to the line of scrimmage and say, "Wait, no, stop play." But the play just ran exactly. But it was it was just the I, I have to give them the pass for that because they did have evidence that the ref really was trying to stop the play. So technically, the play really did not happen. But it's just the it's the optics of it all, bro. Like the viewers here at home watching, hell, even the people in the fans, I mean, in the stands watching, that's not how we see it. We see it as, damn, y'all just giving the Chiefs a whole nother third down to play. And, and then even they got they didn't get it. Um, they, they got a they first down. They weren't gonna get it until yeah. they got that um that flag mm-hmm. on, on Eli Apple. 
So I'm just like, come on, bro. Like, it, it was, I knew they were going to get the first down, bro. Whether it was through a flag or whether they actually got it. Once they got a second chance at third down, I was like, oh, they finna get it. They finna get it. Nah. I knew I knew the Chiefs was going to win the game after I seen that bullshit. Because even though I seen the evidence, it's whatever, bro. At that point, you giving them a whole nother down? Come on, bro. That's, that's the craziest shit I've ever seen in the game. Roger Goodell going to hell for that, bro. He deserves to go to hell. Because I know he had something to do with that. That was a part of the script. That was a part of the script. I know that nigga had something to do with that, bro. But I knew that, the Chiefs um, was winning. He won. He wanted that Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl. That that Joseph Osai um roughing the passer or unnecessary oh, yeah. roughness, whatever mm-hmm. it was, that was the right call because first off, Patrick Mahomes is one of those quarterbacks, one of those players in general. Now you can't do that too. Like he's not like a, a second string player or whatever. Where they're probably not going to call it. If you have star power, you're getting that call. Same thing in the NBA. So one. You can't do that to Patrick Mahomes. Two, you can't do that to an, a less than 100% Patrick Mahomes. And then three, you just have to be smarter in that situation with the way quarterbacks are treated these days. So I don't think Joseph Osai thought about all of that when he was trying to get Mahomes. I don't know I, I don't know what excuse he gave or what reason he gave. He didn't give gave. an excuse, yeah. Not, not an excuse, but I don't know what mm-hmm. reasoning he gave. I think he said he was trying to um, – like change the trajectory of his body so the clock can keep rolling because mm-hmm. if you go out of bounds and you're and you don't have forward progress they're gonna keep the clock rolling mm-hmm. so i i guess that's what he was trying to do i still don't understand it looking at the replay but i want people to understand the Bengals did not lose that game solely on that play like quincy said there were moments in the game where the offense could have did better to keep themselves in position with the lead or keep the game tied Mm-hmm. But everybody was getting on Joseph Osai's head saying that was the play that cost the game. It wasn't, bro. Like, it's never. It's never those It's plays. never just one play. It's mm-hmm. never just one play. Not with football, anyway. With football, it's never just one play. Yeah. I, I fully agree, bro. That's why I brought up the Jerboro point, because I'm not putting it all on that play like a side cost them the game and all that bullshit. I know it looks like that to the casual viewer, but they didn't lose that game because and of he, that. He, and he had a terrific game, too. Doing it. Huh? Yeah. I said he Which, damn near tore his ACL. Oh, yeah, you it. see his leg buckle when he's, he tackled yeah. him, yeah. And they were talking about him, but it's crazy. They were talking about him before that play, how he was having, like, a career game and tackle. Yeah. How he was stopping everything. So crazy. he had the best game of his life, and then he has the crucial penalty. It wasn't his fault at all, bro. Like I said, I put it more on Joe Burrow. And as the star quarterback of your team, you got to put it on, bro. He's the one who has yeah. to get the blame in these situations, bro. He has to. When That's any true. other quarterback, he gets the blame. When Josh Allen lost last week, Josh Allen got all the blame. So it's got to be the same thing for Burrow. All right, and moving on to the next game of the week, we had the Eagles versus the Niners, and it's honestly not too much to talk about because after Brock Purdy got hurt in the first drive, it was honestly all Eagles. Even on the first drive, it looked like it was going to be a long day for the 49ers anyway. Hassan Reddick was in the backfield the whole game. It it was real ugly from the (laughs) jump. bro. So what was just your biggest takeaway from the Eagles moving forward? What do you have the most confidence in in a, a matchup against the Chiefs? Uh, my biggest takeaway from the Eagles was they got to be destined to win the Super Bowl this year, bro. Like, that that's how it's looking. I know I've been one of the people that's been saying, you know, hey, you got to play who you got to play. I'm not going to sit here and say the Eagles is, oh, they had the easiest schedule and they ain't play nobody tough. The Eagles have had a lot of luck on their side this season, and sometimes that's just what it is. You get the schedule you're given, and things just fall the way they fall. When you play and the 49ers, even if Brock Purdy had a solid game, the Eagles were just playing so locked down on defense that 
I think they were just going to win the game regardless. It just worked in their favor even more that the third string quarterback and Brock Purdy goes down and we are introduced in his first playoff game to Josh Johnson, who people did not even remember was still in the league. And we we expected this man to go out here and play the Eagles after Brock Purdy just got hurt saying, nah, I ain't going back in there. <laughs> it was a wrap. So it was it a wrap, bro. It was a wrap. It was a quarterback graveyard for sure. Yeah, it, it was a wrap. Once I see Josh Johnson come in, I was like, yeah, y'all niggas cool. I was like, the fact that on, they tied bro. the game up was more impressive to me because it was 7-0 for a long period of time. The Eagles mm-hmm. couldn't really get anything going in that second quarter. And then McCaffrey yeah. ended up running in that touchdown. I was like, I kept, because my mom was going, my mom and my dad were going for the, the Eagles. I was like, y'all better not let Josh Johnson take down the <laughs> Eagles, But then the Eagles uh, proceeded to blow them niggas out. But Josh Johnson was keeping him in the game for a minute, but it was just like, yeah, bro. It's no way he can win you the game. If Josh Johnson would have got the 49ers a dub, Kyle Shanahan got to get coach of the year, bro. I, I, I know told we in the you what he does with quarterbacks, bro. I he know we in the postseason already, and it, it don't matter for the regular season now. But Kyle Shanahan would just have to get coach of the year if He's Josh like Johnson would have pulled out a dub <laughs> against the Eagles. No, it got so crazy that tr- Christian McCaffrey was about to go in that quarterback. It, it, it was that they, crazy. They ran Wildcat. They they, ran yeah, wildcat they were running Wildcat because bro, they, pro, right, they brought uh, Purdy back in. Purdy couldn't throw because obviously he got the elbow injury. So yeah. he just handed that bitch off. Because John Johnson time. got a concussion. He got a concussion. So it's like we had to put McCaffrey. At, yeah, that, that game was cooked from the third, top of the third. It was like it was no chance. That was wild. It was wild, bro. It, it was a it wild It really game. made me sit and question like, damn, are the Eagles just destined to get to the Super Bowl and maybe win the Super Bowl at this point? Because they've had a quote unquote, they've had a weak schedule, even though it's the NFL any given Sunday. They were in the toughest lose. conference, quote unquote, if you look by record. So how do they really have an and, easy and, schedule? And that's the thing. Like, well, I guess people are saying outside of the division games, they had a, a pretty easy cake schedule. But people were saying they had a cake schedule. You're playing teams where um certain players are injured. Uh you you just running into the luck of you know, just facing second and third strings in certain situations. So the Eagles, I don't want to say have had an easy path, but it just seems like it's destiny for them to get there the way everything has been falling for them. You don't want to be the team of destiny going up against Patrick Mahomes. You want to be, you no, want to be, don't. you want, you want to be battle tested going up against Patrick Mahomes because you, it's going to be a dog fight. I think that's well, Super Bowl. Let everybody else tell it they ain't been battle tested yet. Yeah, I <laughs> so, think I think it's going to be a dog fight type Super Bowl. I think playing against the the Eagles, not the Eagles, but playing against the Cowboys and the Giants, dog fight teams. I think they're they're ready to be in a dog fight. But this game is going to be nothing but fireworks. The Eagles is uh that's going to be fireworks, bro. I know Kansas City defense is good. I know the damn Eagles defense looked elite. But I'm telling y'all, bro, it's going to be straight fireworks. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. It's going to be goddamn Valdez, Scantlin, and Kelsey. It's going to be niggas everywhere, bro. Like, this is an elite matchup with two offensive masterminds with uh, Sirianni and you got Andy Reid on the other side of the ball. Like, this is going to be a very offensive game. Even though we have good defenses playing, I think it's still going to be very offensive Super Bowl, bro. So what is your prediction for this upcoming Super Bowl? Uh oh, we're gonna do predictions now. You can just we, preview we, it, just preview it for like the matchup. What do you expect? Okay. Um what do I expect? I honestly expect a low scoring game. And when I say low scoring, I mean nothing over I don't think either team is gonna score 35. I think this is gonna be a game where the highest points we'll see is maybe 31 
and I, I think even that's pushing it. So Nigga, I that think ain't no goddamn low scoring. <laughs> hell, like these days, shit. Um, because you know this is a game like you said, two high power offenses. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like 35, 36 or 42, 30, like because they're going back and forth like that. But mm-hmm. I, I think it'll be probably like a 28, 20 type of game, similar to the um to the Chiefs Bengals, but maybe just a couple more points. Um yeah, I, I expect to see a lot from Jalen Hurts, though. That's who I'm excited to see. I know what we're gonna get with Mahomes. I know what we're gonna get with um what you call it, Kelsey and Valdez and the rest of them. But when it comes to the Eagles, I'm looking for Jalen Hurts, bro. Because he he played hurt against the 49ers. And I, I had put this in my notes. Jalen Hurts did not play a great game against the He 49ers. did not. I was just about to talk about that. Yep. He he was he was solid. He was solid enough to get a dub. Mm-hmm. But his stats were not that crazy for that game. And even watching him, he looked hurt. He, he didn't look playing. good. Yeah, he didn't look good. So He didn't look good. Like, cause that, like I said, when in, in the parts of the game, like in the second quarter when the 49ers were hanging around, it's like, why are the 49ers still in the game? Even though the 49ers yeah. have an elite defense, it was still like the, it was opportunities and plays to be made, but Hurts weren't, wasn't making them. And it made me question if his shoulder is still going to be an issue in the Super Bowl with a couple of weeks rest because he wasn't throwing the ball that deep anyway. Like, it was a lot of runs from Jalen Hurts more so than it was throws down the field like we were used to seeing from this Eagles defense or Eagles offense. We were used to seeing a lot of uh, deep players, the A.J. Brown and Devontae. It was really that one throw by uh, Hurts in, like, the first quarter. That's how they ended up scoring that first touchdown. After that, you really didn't see any big plays from the Eagles offense. Everything else just came on the ground. Yeah, they were winning the game, so they didn't have to throw. But still, it was shocking not to see him throw the ball deep, at least just attempting to throw the ball deep. So that's going to be something to watch in the Super Bowl if they come out aggressive and show that his arm is ready to, you know what I'm saying, put in that type of work. Because I think they're going to need that type of big playability against the Chiefs. Well, he got two weeks, so um, he'll have a lot of rest time. He'll have a lot of time just to, you know, throw the ball at um, practice sessions and whatnot and take whatever medicine they, they're going to give him. So I think he'll be fine. He'll be at least 85% come Super Bowl. So I, I ain't too worried about it. And he'll play through the pain, bro. That's what being great is all about. Like we saw Patrick, obviously Patrick Mahomes is a different level of talent, but we seen him play through the pain with the ankle, making runs and putting his body on the line. We got to see the same thing from Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is in that stratosphere now of like, okay, you may not be top three, but you top 10 right now. If you want to stay top 10 and try to nudge up even further, we got to see what you're going to do in this game. If Patrick Mahomes can have an ankle game, let's see if you can have a shoulder game. I wanted to ask you this, bro, because I watched that. I watched that, that AFC championship game, bro. And I said, mm-hmm. damn, I was, just, I was hating against Patrick Mahomes because obviously I was going for the Bengals. But at the end of the game, I said, damn, are we taking Patrick Mahomes for granted, bro, and what he's doing with the Chiefs in this dynasty or this stretch that he's on? Five straight AFC championship games, always putting his team in position to get the Super Bowls, three Super Bowl appearances. Are we taking what he's doing for granted because he is so great and because he is so young? I feel like everybody's like, yeah, yeah, he's he's gotten the five AFC uh, championship games. He got the three Super Bowls. But we're not really thinking about how crazy that is. Like, so so many quarterbacks in this league don't even have half of that. And he has it in his first five to six years in the NFL. Like, that shit is just nuts. And nobody is really letting that soak in into their brains. It feels like we're taking him for granted. Like, his greatness. Like, that shit is so weird. Because it's not like Brady. Because Brady 
was like he went to Super Bowls throughout the time. Yes, he had a dynasty stretch. He had two dynasties, honestly. But he had his stretches, but it wasn't as quick as we're seeing this Mahomes stretch, where it's like, damn, every year he's there. God damn. And he's the reason for it. You know what I'm saying? Everybody with the Patriots, where it was like Brady in the back dynasty, but in the front dynasty, he was leaning a lot on his defense. But it's always been on Mahomes and this offense's shoulders to put the team in position to win. So it's like it feels different from like the Brady uh, goat conversation. It's like this nigga Mahomes is doing something unprecedented and, and honestly unforeseen. We've never seen this before. I think people may take it for granted because he's not winning at the rate Brady was winning. And obviously it's it's going to take a miracle for somebody to win to that um extent. But the fact that he only has one Super Bowl out of all the AFC championships, out of all the Super Bowl appearances, he only has one. I get it. It's hard as hell to win one. So I don't want to I don't want to be one of them people that say, oh, well, he only got one Super Bowl. But that's how some people look at it. And that's why I almost had a question um, before that game of, damn, if Mahomes doesn't win his AFC championship game, are we going to question the Chiefs dynasty again? Because we had questions about that like a year or two ago of, is somebody is one of these teams or one of these up and coming quarterbacks? Are they going to interrupt the Chiefs dynasty? I was one of the main people asking that, but we see it is still happening. Even if he's not winning Super Bowls to that extent yet, he's still under thirty. Even though he's one of the oldest new age quarterbacks, he's still under thirty. He's still going to at least get there, and he's going to break records and give us Jordan esque type plays while doing it. So I agree. I think people are just kind of rushing over it because I think it's just happening so fast, faster than we expected. And then you still got Brady who just retired. And that's that's the point I was going to bring up. Yep. So it's like, I think now all eyes literally have to be on Mahomes because Mm -hmm. the last player, I think, of the 2000 draft, Tom Brady, is finally retired. I think he was the last player from the 2000s to, you know, finally say goodbye to the NFL. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think that's why Mahomes is getting overshadowed a lot. But now the the focus will be on him. The baton has truly been tossed at this point. Because I thought he was going to start getting more credit once Tom ended up leaving New England and went to Tampa Bay. But it still felt like he had that Tom Brady uh, shadow over his shoulder. Like, ah, Tom is still the GOAT. Tom is still in the league. Tom still always has a chance. Even though he still has continuous success. Speaking of Mahomes. It always felt like he had that Brady shadow. So all eyes are on him. And we're seeing with this consistent success, bro, we've never seen this shit before. And he's going to keep getting there. Who's going to get in his way for real? Like, yeah, you might see the Bengals or the Bills in the AFC Championship game from here on out. But we know that the Chiefs are going to be there every year. No matter what ups and downs they have in a regular season, Mahomes going to get them there, bro. Like, it's just unforeseen. And in... To reference LeBron again, it's kind of like a LeBron situation where we know who the best players in the NBA are right now. We know LeBron ain't top three at this point as best player in the league, but he's still the face of the league. Don't get it twisted. Like, if something happens in the league, the number one player we're all waiting to get a response from is LeBron. Like, everybody's literally looking at their dates and their watches, you know, waiting for um next week for him to do the impossible and past Kareem, like, we we still have our eyes fixated on the career of LeBron James, and it may be overshadowing Giannis right now. It may be overshadowing Joel and Luka and um, even Steph Curry and the Warriors to a certain extent right now mm-hmm. because we're, we know we are in the final moments of LeBron's career. 
we got maybe two more solid years to watch him play at the level he's playing at, and that's it, bro. And I think that's what we were getting with Brady when he came to the Bucks. It's like, yeah, he's not in New England anymore, so it's not a guarantee that he's going to be on this juggernaut team, but we still just wanted to see the best do what he can possibly do. So I think now that he's out of the league, it's Patrick Mahomes laying to rule at this point, and now we have a new villain. I think the Chiefs are the new villain. Because, bro, when I tell you I'm hearing people really say they're tired of the Chiefs winning already, and it's just the beginning. Like, bro, this is just the beginning, bro. Like, we're only five years in of a Patrick Mahomes dynasty, and people are already saying, I don't want to see the Chiefs go back. I'm tired of seeing the Chiefs, blah, blah, blah. We say all the time, y'all, there needs to be a villain. There needs to be a villain. There needs to be somebody that that everybody wants to knock off. And Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are now that. And that's what we needed. I did not want to be in a league where we don't know who's going to win every year. That is aggravating as hell. No, no, I I completely agree, bro. I completely agree. And going back to the Super Bowl preview, one key thing that you have to look out for is the Eagles' offensive line. Because we talked about the Chiefs' defensive line, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and all them boys who was getting on Burrow ahead yesterday. But one thing that the Eagles have that Cincinnati doesn't have is an offensive line. Because uh, Lane Johnson is still going to be there. Jason Kelsey is still there. They have the best offensive line in the NFL. So you can have all those good defensive linemen, but I don't think they're going to touch Jalen Hurts like that. They got two Hall of Famers on that O-line. They got That's two Hall of crazy. Famers on that offensive line. I don't think they're touching Hurts like a lot of people think they are. And they have a young secondary. Young and good secondary, might I add, but still a young secondary. So if you give that nigga Hurts time, and if that shoulder is just healthy enough, it's going to be a long day for them Chiefs, but It's going to be a long day for them Chiefs, man. I, I'm going to just I say that. that. That's I'm what gonna, I'm looking out for. I'm looking for yeah. Jalen Hurts. That's what I'm looking for. It's going to be a long So We're going to give our predictions next week, but honestly, y'all probably got a little hit just with that, that take right there. And moving forward to our NFL, uh, other NFL topics, we got Tom Brady retires for good this time. Tom Brady ended up coming out with a post uh, a couple of days ago, maybe yesterday, and said that he's done. He thanks everybody for all of the uh, the memories and stuff like that, but he's done. He's done with the NFL. Uh, Edgar, what was your reaction to it? Obviously, you were a Bucks fan. You had three years with him. What is your reaction? Uh, I'm grateful, bro. Like, and not even to talk about the Buccaneers um, at this moment. I'll get to them in a second. But I'm grateful that we got to watch the GOAT, bro. We got to be alive and literally watch damn near every year of Tom Brady. And I just had to sit and think about it for a moment, bro. We have been able to watch some legendary players. I know people say all the time that, man, I wish y'all could have been allowed to watch Joe Montana. Man, y'all know Jordan, but y'all weren't alive to watch Jordan play for real. Like, Y'all weren't allowed to watch this person play and blah, blah, blah. Y'all went in there to watch Dion when Dion was really playing. We got to watch the greatest quarterback, damn near the greatest NFL player, you can argue that, of all time. The most successful player of all time in the NFL. So I'm just grateful that I got to see a legendary player. And the fact that he had a choice to go to any team, even if we weren't his first option, We were on his radar. The fact that my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are outside of our Super Bowl year, are basically a laughing stock amongst NFL teams, he chose us. He chose little old Tampa Bay, and he got us a ring on top of it, bro. 
I'm grateful for it, bro. I ain't finna be one of them Bucks fans that's just, uh, I'm I'm pissed off now because now we ain't finna win, blah, blah, blah. Hey, we finna rebuild. We finna, we gotta do what we gotta do. It's on us now to be better at this point. I can't look at the Brady years and be like, oh, I'm finna hang on to this. I'm grateful for it. And let me just go over Tom Brady's stats with y'all. Seven Super Bowls, five Super Bowl MVPs, three MVPs for the regular season, 15 Pro Bowls, six All-Pros, most career wins, most passing yards, and most passing touchdowns in NFL history. That is crazy, bro. Like, I don't think any quarterback will ever touch that resume. Patrick Mahomes may be a better player. Patrick Mahomes can go down as the better quarterback player, but the most successful, nobody's touching that resume, bro. Nobody will touch that resume. I think it's too early to tell, bro. If Patty wins this year, that'll be two out of three. And he's on track. He's a, he's on pace. He's only 27. He's going to be there every year. I don't know, bro. I think oh, Patty's no, on bro. pace. I think Patty's on. If he wins this year, he's on pace. If he wins this year, he's on pace. I think that's how it's going to go. But I'm going telling back, you, it's going to be a minute. It's going to be about 30, 40 years for somebody to come close to touching that resume. I'm that's that's a crazy. Right. That's a crazy. No, that's a crazy ass overall <laughs> resume. Yeah, no, I don't think Patty is touching the, the touchdowns and all that. I don't think Patty is playing for as long as Brady played, especially at as oh. high of a level. And my boy, for all y'all hating ass niggas, my boy Mike Evans is a top five receiver for touchdowns received by Tom Brady. I just want y'all to take that, take that pill and swallow it because y'all be hating on Mike Evans. Mike Evans is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he's in the top five for most receptions by most touchdown receptions by Tom Brady all time. Obviously, Gronk is number first one. First ballot. He's miles. T.O. wasn't even first ballot. Else. T.O. went first ballot because off the field stuff. They just ain't like T.O. Everybody love Mike Evans. T.O. knows why they didn't put him in the Hall of Fame. It had nothing to do with stats. It's because Chris Carter wasn't even Chris Carter like, wasn't even first ballot. He Mike on Evans that Chris Carter ballot. tier. He on that Chris Carter tier for me. First ballot. I'm not here today. <laughs> but ahead, I, ain't, I, I ain't gonna give that long <laughs> spill uh, on Tom Brady, man, because we already seen this shit last year. I feel like I said some shit about Brady last year. He's gone. He had the season that he did. I thank him for all of the memories that he gave us, for all of the Golden Boy time memories and stuff like that. Uh, I don't like him for gentrifying my city. I think ever since Tom Brady came to Tampa, damn, St. Pete and Tampa haven't been the same. Nigga has changed my city. But uh, definitely thank Tom Brady for all he of the memories. He brought us a lot bro. of money. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. He brought us a lot of money, but it's a lot of changes that I, I do not like. You know what I'm saying? But, you know what I'm saying, more people, whatever. But definitely shout out to Tom Brady, bro. He's the greatest of all time, the greatest that I've ever seen in and honestly, in any sport, because you can talk about Brian is the greatest in NBA, but I think overall, I still say Tom Brady is the greatest that I've seen in any sport, bro. But definitely salute, bro. Hall of Fame career, obviously. And it's crazy that him and J.J. Watt are retiring, like, in the same year. Like, two first, ba first ballot Hall of Famers are going off into the sunset together. Like, that's something that's very rare. We don't see that too often either when two go off into the sunset like that, man. So definitely salute to both of them guys. I heard people saying <laughs> I heard people saying Aaron Rodgers shouldn't retire this year because you've been second fiddle to Tom Brady your whole career. And you know at the Hall of Fame ceremony, you're gonna be second fiddle to him in Canton. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be second to him in Canton too, bro. So people were saying, A Rod, just retire next year so you can let Tom have the year to himself. Mm-hmm. That'd be smart. Yeah, I don't think A Rod retire. But moving on Maybe to some coaching hires, we got Sean Payton goes to the Broncos. 
uh, from the Saints. This was a whole trade situation because he was still under contract with the Saints. So the Broncos mm -hmm. had to trade the Saints a first rounder from this year and a second round pick to the, the Saints for Sean Payton. But this is a, a good get, in my opinion, for Russell Wilson. He gets an offensive-minded head coach. I think he can honestly revitalize his career, especially off that slump from last season. So how are we feeling about this from a Broncos perspective? Uh, Russell Wilson, bro, that's the only answer I have. Sean Payton, you finna get a lot of cheese. Your defense finna be good, and your run game will be solid. But the, the question still remains of what Russell Wilson are you going to get this upcoming season? That is the question. If Russell Wilson will make or break this Sean Payton Broncos season coming up for next season. If Russell Wilson is trash, we, we know it's Russell Wilson at this point. It's not Sean Payton. But this <laughs> so is the I, thing. I think that's the only answer I, I can give, honestly. It's up, it's up to what Russ is going to be. Because everybody is hyping Sean Payton up as like this quarterback whisperer. Oh, he's going to revitalize Russell Wilson. But we've honestly never seen him revitalize anybody's career. He got Drew Brees in his lap. And Drew Brees is one of the greatest quarterbacks that we've ever seen. You didn't revitalize Drew Brees. Whoa, Drew Brees, Drew Brees was just hurt, bro. Drew Brees wasn't, it wasn't, he was always that guy. He was just hurt. And when he got with the Saints, he was hurt. The Chargers let him go because he was hurt. He didn't revitalize Drew Brees' career, bro. He didn't you're not, you're not this quarterback career. whisperer like a lot of people are making him out to be with this pickup. They won nine, eight or nine games with goddamn Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, and Trevor Simeon, what are you talking about? They won seven games this year with the same thing without him. So what are we saying? That's two more games. So what are we saying? <laughs> two games? I thought Sean Payton was this, or this whisperer. And they won the same amount of games with Taysom Hill. Sean Payton is 100. And he had a and, and let's not do that, bro, because they won seven. They had a lot of, they had a lot, they had a lot of seven coach. and nine. They had a lot of seven and nine seasons with Drew Brees. Let's not forget that. It was a little long stretch where them boys had seven and nine and seasons. Mike, and Mike Tomlin had a lot of seasons where you're like, eh, they won. They had a winning record this season, but mm, it was barely a winning record. So it's seven like, and we can't nine? give Mike we can't give Mike Tomlin credit for having barely winning seasons, but not want to do it for Sean Payton. But we're we're acting like he's one of these greatest coaches and quarterback whisperer when he's honestly not. He's not. How's he not? He's not. When has Sean Payton never been in that tier? He hasn't ever. You had Drew Brees in your what, lap. What coach would you pick over Sean Payton? And this and this is a crop. Nobody has the resume as Sean Payton, but I'm not gonna act like he's one of the greatest. Like he's gonna instantly compete with the Andy Reeves or with the Kyle Shanahan's in his yes, league, bro. He no. can. What are you talking fuck about? Out, fuck out of here. What? Fuck out of here. What are you he's not. About? He's not one of those coaches, bro. He's not. How is he not? Nigga won one Super Bowl. That nigga is the Doc Rivers of the NFL. If we keep it in a bed, what? That nigga is the what? Doc Rivers of the NFL. That nigga Doc, always bro. has talent Doc. on his team. Let's keep it a real. Let's keep it real. The Saints always had good defenses, bro. Cam Jordan, they always had a good linebacker court. Demario Davis, all the boys. They had a good secondary over the past few years when they had Sean Payton. And that nigga could never get it done on offense, bro. Sean, Sean Payton, Payton is not Payton. one of those great coaches, bro. Stop acting like that. Sean he had good Payton. talent. Sean Payton is the reason the Saints are an even relevant football team. What? The Saints were around. The Saints were around 40 years before Sean Payton Come and on, were trash bro. as hell. Come go on, go look, bro. go look. Come the Saints on, were bro. Trash what does that mean? The Saints, when the Saints there. had nobody on their team, the niggas had Aaron Brooks on their team. Who was their quarterback back then? And niggas had. So he didn't. The they didn't win. No, let's stop acting and now like it's all about team? the coach. Let's stop acting like that's all it's about the coach. It's not all about the coach. When they got Drew Brees, when they got Drew Brees, they won championships. No, it's not. No Sean Payton. 
they got Drew Brees when Drew Brees was at so his So Sean Payton had nothing to do with the Saints. Yeah, he was on the team. Franchise. But oh, let's be real. Oh, Drew Brees was oh, come on, bro. Drew Brees at his prime. He's one of the best Sean quarterbacks Payton. of all time, bro. Sean Payton is come one on, of the best bro. football Don't do that shit. of this past 10, over the oh, past 10 to 15 years. Here. That nigga ain't did shit but underperform. Nigga won that one year. This is why I say he's the Doc Rivers of the NFL. Let me get this shit off. I would, no, Mike Doc McCarthy Rivers. is Let me the get Doc this Rivers shit of the off. NFL. You can retort when I get my shit off. The, you can, Mike McCarthy you can, is the Doc no, Rivers. No, 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 no. Let me get my shit off, bro. Let me get my shit off. Because Doc Rivers had that one year in the NBA, correct? When he had the big three, everything came together with the big three. Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Rondo. Damn, your team's so good. Damn, you win a championship off that talent. Same thing that happened in 06 when you went against the Colts. Same thing, Drew Brees coming together. Oh, you won a championship. Defense was elite. You won a championship. You had talented teams over those periods of time. And you do nothing. Same thing with Doc Rivers with the uh, Celtics teams after that with those Clippers teams, with those Sixers teams, you have talent enough to win or compete for championships and you always come up short and you can always blame everybody else on your team that is always everybody else's fault. Well, no, we got to be looking at you. It's your fault for not getting it done. Uh, losing, to the, losing to the Vikings. I remember that one year they were supposed to win the Super Bowl and the Minnesota Miracle. That's a year we never talk about. And then all those seven and nine seasons in between. What are we talking about? He underperforms most of the time. That one championship and now he the greatest coach ever? Come on, Nobody bro. He was the coach ever. He's not he's one of the he's not one of the greatest coaches of this era. He's a top 10 coach in the league. He's a top 10 coach in the league, yes or no. And bro, coaches get fired every year. I don't like the top 10 coach shit, bro. I don't like top 10 coach. I think he's overrated. I'm gonna say that. I think he will do good things with the Broncos, but I think he's overrated. If you make a pool of the best coaches that the NFL has had over the last 10 years, Sean Payton is in that pool, yes or no. Of the best NFL coaches over the last 15 what years. What has he Sean done in the Payton last 10 years? What has NFL he done coaches. in the last 10 years? Please tell me. They won a Super Bowl in 08. So please tell me what he's done in the last 10 years. I said last 15. I said oh, you just last said 10 at first. And you want to stretch it out to 15 because that's when he won the Super Bowl. What has he done in the last oh, no, 10 years? 10. Even oh, 10. Yeah, I give okay. you 10. Yeah, 10 years. What has he done in the last 10 years? What makes you say he's a top 10 coach? Multiple playoff appearances that a lot of other coaches playoff in the league cannot say. If bro, that nigga had they made a, more, he, he they had made, he they had, had a, more playoff appearances. He had Sean a ten, Payton's coaching tenure. He had than a they've tenure. Ever had in franchise, bro. History. This this is why he stayed so long, bro. And this is why he. I told you he had a talent on his team to get the Super Bowls. Yes, is that some of that on him? He had talent though, bro. But this is why he. Yeah. Hey, this is why he stuck around after all of those seven and nine seasons, and other coaches would have been fired. You got the city of New Orleans a Super Bowl after that Hurricane Katrina shit. You're you you're a god in New Orleans. They couldn't fire him. That's why he had to resign because they were like never they were they, it doesn't Katrina, matter though, bro. bro. It don't matter because you like you see what after. you see what had to happen for him to get out of that contract. He had to resign and then sit out a year because New Orleans felt like he was too much of a god in that city. And honestly, he didn't even perform like he was a god. Didn't coach like he was a god. But they were gonna treat him like that, bro. Because so he had to get out of that situation because he knew what it was going to be there. I don't think he's on that same level. That's why he's been around so long after overperforming because New Orleans was never going to let him go. He won a championship and they never wanted to let him go. Even though he's had a lot of, he had some years where a lot of other coaches would have been fired. If he was, his, if his name was Mike McCarthy, he would have been fired. Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl, but after so many uh, tumultuous seasons, he had to leave. That would have been the same thing with Sean Payton, but New Orleans treated him like a guy. That's the difference. Because you would compare him and Mike McCarthy, honestly. With, with their coaching careers. Yeah, They're on the true. same level, honestly. And yeah, I don't man, think that's... Like, 
statistically with their win percentages, with the fact that they both have one Super Bowl, that's both why had I say one Mike of McCarthy, the greatest. Both had one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. That's why I say people who want to get Mike McCarthy fired at Dallas, no, like you're not getting too many coaches better than Mike McCarthy. The same way you're not getting too many coaches better than Sean Payton. But Sean Payton is a better coach than Mike McCarthy to me, honestly. Do I trust Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers or um, Sean Payton and Drew Brees? I'm going Sean Payton. They both Payton won a Drew championship, and then both of those teams underperformed. So that's why I said they're the same. They're the you same. Know who the better coach is, though. They're Don't act same. like you don't know who the better no, coach is. No, bro. How can no. I say one is better Quincy, when we say like they have the, the same resume? They if have the same one, resume, bro. If, if you, you look had at to Mike pick McCarthy, one, who you picking? No, bro. If you had to pick a coach, nah, I ain't picking? gonna let you do that. He's gonna pick Sean Payton. <laughs> he gonna pick Sean Payton. That's why he don't want to answer. Bro, that's a lesser. I don't like either of them two niggas, bro. But yes, I probably will pick Sean Payton, bro. No, no, no. I probably will pick Sean. No, but this is the thing. They're the same coach, though, bro. Yeah, I don't deny that. They're the same coach. So if you look at What's the name as this guy? Mike McCarthy has this guy who underperforms every year. How can we not say the same thing about this nigga Sean Payton? Even though Mike McCarthy has good teams, he's had good records, he's had playoff appearances, he still is the coach that has that one Super Bowl but can never get over the hump. That's the same thing we say about Sean Payton. So like I said, he will do good for improving this Broncos team. They'll be way better than they were last year. But competing for the division against the Chiefs? No, I, I don't have the I don't have them winning the division. Like I'm not They'll going be, to these drastic. Uh, I'll expect them to fight for the second spot in the division. They can have an opportunity, but again, that's all gonna depend on what Russ does. That's why I say, bro, if Sean Payton can't get Russell Wilson back on at least halfway of what he was, then we know Russell Wilson is just cooked at this point. Because if Sean Payton can't do it, I don't see any other coach doing it in the NFL. Honestly. It's that, something that's, about Denver. That's my whole thing on it. It's something that's about Denver, thing. bro. When they, wait, when Denver get a quarterback uh, pa- after pay, uh, Peyton Manning, that should go downhill. Hey, Peyton had him two years after that. It was downhill. That's, that last <laughs> Super Bowl was crazy. I don't know how that nigga got a Super Bowl. That shit, that shit still get me heated to this day. That, that was really more of the Panthers folding than the Broncos playing. Crazy. And that, that, no, that, yeah, that too. And then it was that Broncos defense was crazy. <laughs> that yeah, nigga yeah. Von Miller was on. You talk about niggas yeah. being on quarterback's head. Von Miller was on camera. Yeah, prime Von Miller. Yeah, sure. prime Von Miller was crazy. And the other coaching hire was D'Amico Ryans to the Texans. He is the San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator, and now he's going to be a Texan. I honestly don't like the move. He's a past Texan. This. He's I a past Texan. He used to play for the Texans, so he's going back to his roots and who he used to play for. But we, mm-hmm. why do black coaches, once again, always get the shittiest jobs? It always feels like this. Why do we always have to go to these rebuilding situations Why we have to build shit from the ground up? Why can't we go with uh, to a team like Sean Payton where we have a ready-made defense and we just got to rebuild? We got to do some tweaking on offense. Why we can't go to a team like that? No, we got to do a team to, where we got to rebuild everything. To prove your point even more, Steve Wilkes over in Carolina should have got that head coaching job. Frank Wright isn't a bad hire, but Wilkes should have got that coaching job, bro. Because the fact that they turned the season around enough to where they were fighting against the Bucks to win the division at the end of the season, when people basically gave up hope on the Panthers and said they could have got a number one pick, Steve Wilkes should have got that job as head coach. That defense for Carolina next season is going to be crazy, and all they got to do is just insert a few offensive pieces and they can fight for the division winner of the NFC South. So I don't to, – to go with your point of why are black coaches going to the Texans when they're mm-hmm. giving you nothing to work with, when we do have a situation where it can work, 
were still not getting hired. Well, not even hired, promoted. All they had mm-hmm. to do was just promote them to head to permanent head coach. But we can't mm-hmm. even get that. So I, I agree with what Stephen A said. If you're a black coach in the NFL, you shouldn't even want to go to the Texans to be a head coach. Because I won't be surprised if D'Amico Ryan's at the end of next season. I won't be surprised if he get fired. I won't be surprised if he get fired in the middle of the damn season. Honestly, be that bad. I honestly didn't understand why they fired Lovey Smith. The Texans was in every game this year fighting for Lovey, and them niggas fired Lovey. And it's like, damn. So why when y'all going through rebuilding seasons, y'all let go of a black coach just to put another nigga in that same position? It's like, it don't make any sense why you even let go of Lovey anyway. The thing that I'll say about Steve Wilkes, and I was telling this shit to my mom because she was asking the same thing, why they let him go. I said, the team is fighting for Steve Wilkes right now because he's the interim head coach. They want to put on a good face for him. So they're going to play every snap hard for Steve Wilkes. That always happens when a coach gets fired. It feels like you always want to play good for the interim head coach to make him look good. But the next season never looks the same. So the, the Panthers would have been good th- or were good this year or were decent this year. Defense looked good, but they weren't going to be the same team last year. It would have been a big drop-off. I don't think they would have been improving. Even with a quarterback improvement, I think it still would have been a drop-off or staying the same type of thing if they would have kept Steve Wilkes. I think bringing in somebody like Frank Wright, who has coaching experience, who's been to the Super Bowl, who's coaching the Super Bowl, I think that's the type of new move they made it. They needed to make it. Because that's what I said about the, the Panthers. That's what they needed. They needed somebody who knows how to build a culture, bro. And that's right. the one thing about Frank Wright that we did see with the coach. He knew how to build a culture. He just couldn't mm-hmm. get that quarterback position right in Indianapolis. Hopefully that doesn't happen in uh, the Carolina. Hopefully they find somebody, at least a veteran for this season, and draft a quarterback maybe next year. Because I, I really hope they don't draft a quarterback. Because I feel like they're going to draft Levis of Richardson or some bullshit, but hopefully they don't draft one of them niggas. <laughs> hopefully they just if wait they until draft next year. Anthony Richardson, I'm gonna laugh my ass. Bro, I'm gonna be heated as fuck. If we don't get Bryce Young or Stroud, bro, just leave it alone, bro. Just draft whoever, draft another nigga, bro. Draft another nigga. I want the Panthers to trade up. What are, what are you stocking all your picks for? If you believe in Stroud, if you believe in uh Bryce Young, trade up to the fucking number four pick or the. Number yeah, number four pick to get Stroud or whoever you can get. Cause I mean, one of them niggas gonna fall to me. I think either Bryce Young or Stroud gonna fall to number four. Cause I think mm-hmm. a couple of defensive players are gonna get picked. But you need to trade up from Carolina. And what was I saying the whole season? You need to tank. You need to tank. You need to tank. And look <laughs> at them niggas. The ninth pick in the got in the nowhere's in no man's land. You don't you don't know who the fuck you can pick. You gotta look at who's gonna drop to you when you could have just tanked and just been number one. Goofy ass niggas, man. I couldn't stand that shit. Yeah. But all right. Shit crazy. But moving on to some other NFL topics. We have do we need the Pro Bowl anymore? So we talked about this a little earlier in the episode about what's going on. And it's it's honestly the Pro Bowl is looking like a clown show, dog. I ain't gonna it lie is. to you, dog. It's looking like a clown show. Like I talked about earlier, Trevor Lawrence, Tyler Huntley, and Derek Carr are the AFC Pro Bowl quarterbacks. Because Mahomes dropped out, Burrow dropped out. Oh, not Mahomes dropped out. Mahomes is going to the Super Bowl. Burrow dropped out. Josh Allen dropped out to go golfing. And then Lamar uh, hurt. And Lamar hurt. So it's like, damn. But look, why the fuck is Tyler Huntley in the fuck? No, he, he didn't even play good in the games that he did play. But he got in because of fan voting, I think. Derek Carr had a terrible season. And Trevor Lawrence just had a decent season. Like, And these niggas made the Pro Bowl. This is what I wanted to ask you, bro. Do Pro Bowls matter anymore in terms of resume? 
if you look at somebody's resume, like Tyler Huntley is going to have one-time Pro Bowl on his resume now. Like, can you really respect a Pro Bowl tag anymore with all of these reserves, all these alternatives? That's my biggest question because a lot of people go by that when looking at these quarterback resumes. Uh, I think it's still something that can be respected, but there is going to have to be a change. And I to answer the first question of do we need the Pro Bowl anymore, I'm just going to go ahead and say no. We do not need the Pro Bowl anymore because, one, it's going to go against everything we preach about player safety with the fact that, you know, players are going to be playing. They're playing flat football this year, for crying out loud. So that's their way of trying to, you know, go against, you know, getting players hurt. But players can still get hurt playing flat football, bro. You might tweak your knee. You might do this. You might do that. You might slide or something and still hurt yourself. So if the NFL and the NFL Players Association are really trying to crack down on making sure players stay as healthy as possible, you might just have to get rid of the pole, bro, um, Pro Bowl, bro. So it's like, I think what they could do is create like a new honors system, but you might you already got all pro. So what are you gonna do outside of all pro and Pro Bowl? Like you can't you can't just make another category. You can still be a Pro Bowler. It's still like a difference between Pro Bowler and All Pro, but you can still you can still have a different uh, a difference in between the two. But you just don't play a game. You just get that recognition, but no game or no school, skills competitions are played. But that's why I think that's why I think you would have to change the name because it, it's the branding of the word Pro Bowl that are gonna make people mm-hmm. think, oh, you played in the Pro Bowl game, you know. And of course, like you said, they could just get the title. But I think just to make just to make it at least look like there's been a change in the system, you would have to change the name from Pro Bowl to something else. That's my only thing. So I think they should get rid of the Pro Bowl. It'll one, you got players calling out like they in the damn NBA with the All-Star game. No, I ain't gonna play, blah, blah, blah. And then two, we're trying to keep players healthy. So we've resulted to flag football, which is completely idiotic. Nobody's gonna watch that shit. So <laughs> I, I just think it, it has to be gone at this point, bro. We, we're in a different day and age in the NFL now. Like, it has to go away. And that's the thing about the, the Pro Bowl. I'm not going to watch it no matter what y'all put on the screen, bro. It doesn't just it doesn't have that same effect anymore. It used to be the best of the best going up against each other. Uh, we, we wanted to see what we wanted to see. But it, it's lost its flavor the last 10 years. Uh, you can even talk about even recently. last five or six years has been terrible, bro. No passion. It used to be like an NFC versus AFC thing. Now these niggas got teams. They got Peyton and Eli going to be picking teams at the skills competition now. It's like y'all just reaching with these ideas. And it's like y'all lost the whole purpose of what the the, uh, the Pro Bowl was meant for. You know what I'm and saying? And they're not and fully got... tackling anymore. Yeah. Like you, you wrap somebody up, they're blowing the whistle. They're not even letting you go to the ground anymore. And it's like. We're not asking players to take each other's heads off in the Pro Bowl. Obviously, you ain't trying to hit nobody that crazy. You ain't trying to do no Sean Taylor type stuff mm-hmm. in the Pro Bowl because obviously we need to keep players safe from that those type of hits. But the point we're at now, bro, it's just it's not it's not helpful to the league, bro. But we need something, bro. We can't just go straight from playoffs to the Super Bowl because there's in every other sport, you know, in the MLB, you got All Star Weekend. The um the NBA you got All Star Weekend the most popular sport in America and the most money driven and money collecting sport in America 
can't not have some type of Pro Bowl weekend, bro. We have to have something. But I just don't know what the next thing will be. It can't be no damn flag football. It definitely can't be that. It can't. I don't know, bro. Maybe, maybe in that middle of the season thing, maybe we get that shit going because Tyreek ended up bringing that shit up earlier in the season, not playing a game, but in terms of like the recognition, like getting it in the middle of the season until instead of waiting after. I think I don't think we need a thing anything after that has to be in the week in between or the week after the Super Bowl. I think we could just go right into the Super Bowl and you just give the bro bro recognition throughout the season like you do the NBA. Just get that shit throughout the season. Get it out the way. So we ain't got to worry about it like, oh, damn, who making a Pro Bowl? You ain't got to worry about pulling niggas out and all that other shit. It's like, no, just give them the recognition. Give them the recognition mid-season. You can't turn, get that shit away to anybody else. And we move on. Because this shit is a waste of time. What are we doing anymore? Like, I don't even know what's the point. Nobody's watching. Viewership is terrible. Even though the viewership isn't as terrible as a lot of other things because it's still the NFL at the end of the day. It's not like in past years. And nobody is really passionate about it anymore. And I think that's the key thing about it. But how do you feel about the quarterback resume thing with the Pro Bowl? Uh, I don't think it'll hold that much weight. I, I don't. I don't think it will be as discredited as some people may think. Yeah, Tyler Huntley will have a Pro Bowl by his name, but we know the career of Tyler Huntley. Like, I think people will understand that. Hey, just because you got a Pro Bowl next to your name, don't mean you had a Pro Bowl season because it ain't nothing to go back and look at your stats and see what you did and see what people were saying. But a lot of people not going to do that. A lot of people are just going to say, damn, Tyler Huntley made the Pro Bowl and not do any research. They're just going to see that nigga made a Pro Bowl. But all they got to do is see, oh, he made it because such and such didn't go in. Like, that's all you got to do. But he shouldn't even make it because such and such didn't go in. Like, why is he even in the running to make it is my thing. How is he even in the running? It should be at a certain point with the Pro Bowl where so many people dropped out where it's like, we just need to cancel this whole motherfucking event. We don't need this shit no more. If your biggest stars are not going to show up to your big event, what's the point of having it? Everybody's yeah. dropping out. And it's not just on offense. It's on defense, too. Like, the big stars are dropping out unless you're young. And this is your first or second time going to the Pro Bowl. You're not doing that shit. You're either recovering, you're starting your offseason training, you're doing something else rather than wasting your time with the Pro Bowl. So I don't even know what we're doing with it anymore. Nobody's taking it serious anyway. But I do think it could come back and play a part down the line. We, I want us to talk about this in 10 years. I, I wish we could bookmark this conversation of like 10 years from now, how does this really impact people's thoughts about the Pro Bowl? How has the Pro Bowl changed? Have we gotten rid of it? Because I think people will look at it and say like, damn, that's fucking up people's resumes. Because if you look at somebody's resume and they have like uh so many Pro Bowls. Like, for example, uh, Russell Wilson would have 10 Pro Bowls. But in four of those Pro Bowls, he was an alternate. Like, he wasn't somebody who was voted in by the fans. He wasn't somebody who was deserving of making a Pro Bowl. He just got in four times because he was a reserve. And that honestly is true. He's only made the Pro Bowl six times. And everybody says, oh, Russell Wilson, the Hall of Fame. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And they see nine Pro Bowls by his name. But three to four of those times, he was an alternate. So was he really a nine-time Pro Bowler? Or was he really a six-time Pro Bowler? Mm. That's the type of thing I'm saying. So maybe we have to start putting an asterisk by like the first, uh, like being voted in first time as a, a, a Pro Bowler and then being the alternate. Like we got to separate it. You can't put them all in one of like, oh, you made it, it to the Pro Bowl nine times. It's like you've been to the Pro Bowl six to, times. It's similar to like the Hall of Fame, 
how they don't just look at the stats for what they are. They look way deeper in the context of, okay, you did this, but what happened during these seasons while you got this award? And mm-hmm. like, what did you do with this award? Like, so the way the Hall of Fame committee picks and nitpicks and all that with certain stuff, that that's what we would be doing in that instance. We mm-hmm. would say, oh, okay, yeah, you got 10 Pro Bowls, but let's add because, some context to it. Yeah. And this is a conversation I also wanted to have. I know we got to start moving forward in these topics, but all of these quarterbacks are so talented now with the Herberts, Burroughs, Mahomes, Allen. You can talk about Hurts in the NFC. So many quarterbacks coming up now. You still got Deshaun. That you're everybody's going to put up the passing yards. So when you look at uh, the revisionist history and look up all of these passing yards, all these records that these players are breaking, you're going to be like, damn, so many players are going to have the stats to be in the Hall of Fame. But it's like, you're not really a Hall of Fame player, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you're, there has to be a difference. Like, uh, you can make the Pro Bowl so many times. You can have the stats, but you're not a Pro Bowl player because we're in this passing NFL that you can put up the stats but still not be a Hall of Famer, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a difference between being great and being very good. Every, just because you're very good doesn't mean you're supposed to be in the Hall of Fame, bro. Like, we got to start putting a clear difference in, the, like, the tiers of it. Like, like you said, Eli Manning should not be in the same Hall of Fame as Tom Brady. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there should be a difference, bro. There should be a difference. Just like Phillip Rivers. When you talk about Phillip Rivers, Phillip Rivers has the stats, but the nigga didn't win shit. So that's why, to me, he's always been a fringe. Like, what has he done? Would you? Can you say the, the, the story of the NFL without uh, Phillip Rivers? Yes, you yeah. can. <laughs> you can say that <laughs> shit. You can say that shit without Philip Rivers. Easy. I don't have to mention that nigga at all. But but the thing about Eli, you can't tell the story of the NFL. That's what I'm Eli. saying. That's why I think Eli is a Hall of Famer because he won two mm-hmm. against the Dynasty Patriots. But Philip Rivers, what has that nigga done? Uh, ben Roethlisberger, yeah, that nigga's won Super Bowl. So yeah, you in there? We go. We got to tell the NFL story of the NFL with you. But Philip Rivers, you have the stats, so niggas gonna put you in there. But you're not. You're not a Hall of Famer, nah. He just came when the NFL started to wrap up with the passing. I had a real spicy question. <laughs> I had a real spicy question. Can you tell the story of the NFL without Russell Wilson? That's a tough one, honestly. Because what are you, you. going to more so bring up? You're going to bring up the Legion of Boom, I think. I'm bringing so, up the Legion of Boom. That's what I'm saying. You're more so going to bring up the Legion of Boom because the Legion of Boom also has two Hall of Famers in there as well. So you got to mention the Legion of Boom because they got Earl Richard and Sherman going to be in there too. When, when he that's what I'm saying. That's why I say two. You're going to have Earl and you're going to have Richard Sherman in there. It's two Hall of Famers. I think you talk about the Legion of Boom and how crazy that defense is before you talk about Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson would have won that second Super Bowl, you can't say the, the, the story of the NFL without Russ. But that first Super Bowl, the credit goes to the Legion of Boom. Mm, so I think you can say it without. I think you can say the story of the NFL without. I him. agree, and, that, and that's wild. That's yeah. Russ been getting disrespected his whole career. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> that's <laughs> crazy, bro. But uh, moving on to NBA, we was on NFL for a long time. But moving on to the NBA All Star Reserves, they have come out. They came out today, and boy, I, I have some. Now I got it pulled up right here, bro. You can read them off my uh, my Twitter, bro. But man, okay, it was a spicy, spicy list for uh the Western and Eastern conferences to me. So Egg, you can uh go ahead and start it off reading them off. Uh, we doing the East first? No, no West. Oh, West, West, West first. Mm-hmm. So for the West, I got it on my screen here because it's hard to see. Uh, we got John Morant, Demonte Sabonis, Shy Gilgis Alexander, Paul George, Damian Lillard, 
Laurie McCarkin, always marketing up, and marketing mm-hmm. and Jaron Jackson Jr. for the West Reserves. I ain't going to say nothing yet. I'm just going to say that. Go ahead to the Eastern Conference. So for the Eastern Conference Reserves, we have Joel Embiid, DeMar DeRozan, Jalen Brown, Bam Adebayo, Drew Holiday, Julius Randle, and Tyrese Halliburton. So I will say this for the Eastern Conference first, just give my reaction to who made it. Damn, I'm happy Bam made it, boy, because I was getting yeah, closer. I was, we were we getting worried. closer and closer to the All-Star, <laughs> and I was starting to see a lot of prediction All-Star uh, articles, and he wasn't on it. So I was like, I don't know if these people just didn't watch the Heat, don't watch the Heat, which most people don't do. And I was yeah. like, maybe they're just disrespecting him, or what? Is he really not going to make the All-Star game? Because I knew they weren't going to get two, because a lot of people were like, no, they're going to put Jimmy in over Bam. I'm glad Bam ended up getting in over Jimmy. So shout out to the NBA Me for too. making that happen. That was supposed to happen. And definitely shout out to Drew Holiday. A lot of people say mm-hmm. Drew Holiday wasn't supposed to make this list because you got, I mean, Harden didn't make the All-Star game. Trey didn't make the All-Star game. I mean, it was a few other people. In, uh, Pascal Siakam didn't make the All-Star game. But I think Drew Holiday deserved to make the All-Star game, honestly, bro. So I'm glad the NBA did right by him because he, especially with Giannis being in, in and out this year with injuries, he has honestly held down the Bucks. And have been consistent for this team throughout this whole season. Been playing like an all-star, had some elite games. So I think Drew Holiday was a, a good one for me. How do you feel yeah, about the I Eastern Conference? Mad at the, I ain't mad at the East at all. I'm, I'm rocking with this list. It's cool to me. I'm glad Bam in there, like you said. Jalen Brown, automatic. Embiid, automatic. DeRozan, automatic. Uh, you gave all the Drew Holiday points. And Randall and Halliburton, hey. They they doing their thing this season, so I would you have would you have put would you have rather put Brunson over Randall or are you cool with the Randall point? Uh, I would have rather put Brunson in because I I told y'all before I picked um what you call it Brunson to be most improved player and I made a case that he should be an All Star, but I ain't mad at Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday been playing his ass off. I personally would have put Brunson in though because he's been going crazy for the Knicks. I think I, I honestly agree with the Julius Randle point. I think Randle should have been in over Brunson, even though I think Brunson is the most important player, the point guard of his team. Just looking at the stats, man, he's putting up like mm-hmm. 25 and 10, 26 and 10. You can't deny the numbers that Julius Randle is putting up. He's been having huge games throughout this entire season. Brunson has been uh, missed a couple of games this year. Julius Randle has played consistently in those matchups. I don't see any problem with this Eastern Conference list. Except for DeMar DeRozan. I don't know how you'd leave James Harden off the list for DeMar. With the Bulls, oh, yeah, with the with the Bulls being in 12th place in the Eastern Conference, the 76ers being in third, I think the 76ers deserve two uh starters. I forgot Harden the, wasn't uh, on the starters. Damn. Yep. Cause uh Kyrie is on the starters, Donovan Mitchell, That's right. Giannis Tatum. And uh, Giannis Tatum and KD. Damn, you're right. So, yeah, DeMar DeRozan ain't got to go. DeMar DeRozan yeah. would have had to go. I'm not putting DeMar in, bro. That's the only I one I had a problem Harden with. Wasn't on, I forgot Harden wasn't on the starters list. Damn, that's a good-ass point. Yep. Like I said, there's a couple people. Like I said, Trey, but Trey's in eighth. I think Trey yeah. has been, been the most disrespected player for a long period of time. I say it every year. But I think this is just another year of being slighted. 28 and 10 again, or 25 and 10, however much. I know he's averaging 10 assists again this year. And he's just, he never gets the credit I feel like he fully deserves in uh, Atlanta. And uh, he has a better record than um, the Chicago Bulls as well. And you got Pascal Siaka. I think the Bulls and the 
the Raptors are in the same kind of position. I think they're like 12th and 13th or they're 10th and 11th in the Eastern Conference right now. So it's like you have an argument there, but it's like I can see how DeMar is over Pascal. But it's Harden is the real big snub for me, though. Harden is the real big snub. For sure. In the Eastern Conference, at least. And boy, the real problem I have with this list is the (laughs) Western Conference. So let's go over the starters one more time for the Western Conference. We had uh, had Luka, Steph. Mm -hmm. We had, uh, damn, Luka, Steph, Jokic. Bron. Bron, Zion. Zion was the, the fifth one. A lot of people had a problem with that Zion one. Zion's missed so many games. But honestly, yep. that that's that's a uh I don't know. It's weird. It's an excuse that you can't really make anymore because a lot of these players have missed games, bro. So you can't really use that as yep. an argument against bro. another player of like, oh, you didn't play enough games, so you should make an all-star team when a lot of these players have missed a lot of games, bro. So read off the Western Conference one more time. Who did I um have, uh, but the Western Conference Reserves, you want me to read yep. that again? Mm-hmm. Uh, John Morant, DeMontis Sabonis, Shai Gilgis, Alexander, Paul George, Damian Lillard, uh, Lori Mark Cannon, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. I always mess that man's name up. God yep. Damn. So I I have one huge problem. I love that Shea got in, just reacting to who made the list. Yeah. I love that Shea got in, playing hell of a season this year. I think Sabonis has deserved it. I'm glad they mm-hmm. put Markinen in. I'm glad they put – because Markinen has been balling this season, bro, flying under the radar. I mean, he's averaging like 26, I want to say, this year. I mean, for the Jazz, putting the Jazz in position to make the play-in tournament when everybody thought they were going to be in the, the Wimby sweepstakes, he's had a hell of a season. I'm glad they put him in as well. My one big issue – Honestly, I have a couple big issues. A couple big issues. Jaron Jackson Jr. is my yep, biggest issue, though. That's my me biggest too. issue. How did you put Jaron Jackson Jr. in over AD? Because everybody starts to bring up the, the for AD, like, oh, AD's missed so many games. But everybody forgets that Jaron Jackson Jr. missed the first part of the season with the, with the foot injury. So he, had, he missed games, too. So it's like you can't really say the games. I, I think it's because AD has missed more, so they can lean into that argument. I guess so. I don't know. But this is the thing, Jared Jackson. I, I was Jr. surprised by Jaron Jackson Jr. too. Though this is the thing, Jaron Jackson Jr. is leading the leading candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. So I want to give him his flowers. He's having a hell of a season, but I think we're getting fooled a little bit by stats more so than like the. Now I don't want to say impact, but we're getting fooled more so by stats than like watching the real time basketball games. Because mm-hmm. when you look at minutes per game, when you look at the the foul trouble that he consistently gets in, this nigga can never make it through a game without being in foul trouble. Why he's the only player on this list that is playing 26 minutes per game. You're an all-star and you can you're only playing half of the game, bro. I mean LeBron James 38, he playing 33 minutes a game. You're an yep. all-star. You're 22. You're playing 26 minutes a game. Not because he's hurt. Not because of a health or minutes restriction. Because he stays in foul trouble. So he has a ton of impact when he's on the floor. But damn, he's barely on the floor because of his foul trouble and all this other shit. So with that being said, and you put him in over AD, it's like, damn, bro. I don't know if I really see the vision. Do I think he should have been a candidate? For sure. You putting him completely in the all-star game. Is a stretch to me though. That's a stretch. But like you said, he got that um 
defensive player of the year candidacy in his back pocket. Uh, he's been a huge reason why the Grizzlies are in the position they're in. Outside of the last stretch of games that they've been on recently, the Grizzlies have been a winning team, top three team in the West. I, I understand it. I don't agree with them putting him in, but I understand the points that they could use to put him in there. That shit crazy, bro. Like you said, they probably put him in there because they're what, – what are they currently right now? Are they two or three in the West? I think they're three in the West? Are they two uh, in the West? Let me see. Let me see. They're, they're, they're either two or three in the West, so I can understand that you want to reward the winning teams and all that blah, blah, yep. blah stuff. They're, but, they're second behind the Nuggets. They're three yeah. games behind. So that's probably why he got in, too, because of the winning aspect. But damn. We can make that same argument for Harden. They're winning. Harden is averaging 22 and 10, 22 and 11. Mm -hmm. And you don't get in for the Eastern Conference over DeMar DeRozan, but you award Jared Jackson over AD? It doesn't make sense in terms of the, the criteria you're showing. Because if Harden would have made it, I would have been like, damn, I have to see because you rewarded winning. But you're obviously not rewarding winning if Harden's not making it. So but you want to know what's crazy? I think we had not, not necessarily a similar conversation, but we had – a topic like this before with Bradley Beal. And I think it was because Bradley Beal didn't make the all-star team a couple of years ago, but he was uh, playing lights so. out I with the so. Wizards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we had a problem with that because we said, although he's on the Wizards and the Wizards as a whole are trash and they're probably going to be in the lottery for whatever um pick they get in the number for the number one, two or three seed. Mm. We still knew what Bradley Beal brought to the league with, leading the league and scoring and, you know, um, having the assist to go with it and just being such a focal point of that Wizards team. So I think it's just turned to a different situation now where somebody like DeMar DeRozan on a trash team like the Bulls is performing and we do pick somebody like him. But now on the back end, we're not picking somebody on a winning team who deserves mm -hmm. to get in like a Harden. So I think the roles have just flipped now. We were upset Bradley Beal wasn't getting in on a trash team playing lights out, but now we're upset that DeMar DeRozan is getting in playing on a trash team, but playing lights out. But if you look at Trey Young's stats, Trey Young is, has a better record than the Bulls might have had, and he's averaging mm -hmm. 27 and 10. So yep. what, what What are we saying? He has a better record than the Bulls, or than the Bulls. He has better stats yeah, than DeMar DeRozan. I don't know what they beef so is with Trey. What, what, is your, what is the criteria <laughs> that we're going by? Are you telling me that stats matter, individual stats matter? Or are you telling me that team wins matter? Because if so, Trey has a better case over, over DeMar DeRozan in, in both aspects, in winning and in yeah. stats. So what are that, we that's saying? That's what I said. I don't know what the league beef is with what? Trey. I don't know what their beef is with Trey. So it's like know. we have to have a clear criteria on what we're looking for in NBA All-Stars. Are you looking for – are you looking for, to reward – teams and the impact on winning or are we putting the all-stars on like just individual stats and the individual award that's what that's what you're supposed to be rewarding these players as and i'm confused on the criteria bro you know and i think one thing that we have to do moving forward is we got to get rid of fan voting bro i think i'm tired of the mm. fan voting in terms of the, the 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 starters i think it should all be players slash players and coaches, players and coaches bro and but this we players have to take it serious though. That's the thing with the players. Players be voting on niggas on their own team that aren't even relevant to the conversation. Like them niggas be voting for Karis Levert to be an all star. It's like niggas, well, I think that's on, where like. the media voting can still play a part. The media exactly. Voting. But some yeah. media fans can be biased. But I think I take I'll take that over the fans because the fans shit is getting ridiculous. Like Bam wasn't yeah. even in the top ten for front court. And you know what I'm saying for the the Eastern Conference. 
like in terms of fan voting. But he made the All-Star game. Like the fans ain't taking this shit serious and they shouldn't. You should be biased. That's what fan voting is for. But you got to take that shit out of the game because too many people have money on the line in terms of contracts with uh, like the, the All-Star game bonuses and all the this other shit. That, and the all incentives that. and all that. So I'm putting all that on like a fan's vote. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't th- I don't like yeah. that a fan's vote is being a part of that. You know what I'm saying? So that's the only thing. Like somebody like a um uh Anthony Edwards, for example. Anthony Edwards is having a great season, bro. They the Timberwolves are sixth in the Western Conference right now, and nobody is talking about it. And he's having a tremendous season. Why is he not an all-star? But he he should have been an all-star. I think he should have been an all-star over Paul George, and I would have put him in over Jaron Jackson, but He's got him at six, and he has a contract coming up. Now he can't get that fully that 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 incentive contract now because he didn't make an All Star game when he feels mm-hmm. like he should. And honestly, the stats back it up. The impact on winning back up that he should be an All Star. But look at where he is now. He's a snub now, and now he can't get that bonus and contract. Too much is on the line for these All Stars for fans to be voting when we know the bias comes in. I'd rather the coaches just vote. But give me a clear criteria of what we're going by as far as so we can understand. But I'd but, rather the coaches and media vote. But I don't players. think it'll ever be a clear criteria, bro. It'll never be a clear criteria because mm. every player's situation is different. Like, because if we say, let's just say we only going off of stats, we're going to be upset every year because there's going to be a lot of people here just strictly off of stats mm-hmm. over people that are having a greater impact. But then if you just go off of impact, now we discounting everybody who statistically should be in. Like, that's mm-hmm. why I say every player is, is is so different and it's so broad for each situation. You can't just have one list of criteria to go by because we're, we're, we're already upset every year with people who get snubbed. <laughs> we're really going to be pissed if they only go by a certain thing. Because if they only went by stats or if they only went by impact, we ain't seeing Bam in a lot of these all-star games. Shit, Bam is bad. Bam is averaging 20 and 10 right now. That's why I said, bro, it's no way Bam should not make it. Well, he wouldn't you be in if on impact. If they just did it off of impact, they, they wouldn't impact have no this, this was the problem I had with Bam and everybody <laughs> saying he wasn't going to make it. He's a top three defensive player of the year candidate. He averaging 20 and 10. Y'all say he need to score more. He's scoring more. He averaging 10 rebounds. What more do y'all want from this nigga for him not to make it? He made it, so I'm glad. But that's why yeah. I would have said, damn. He's sixth in the Eastern Conference right now, so he has an impact on winning on both sides of the ball. He's impacting. What are y'all not seeing? Julius Randle, same thing. Like, he's impacting both sides of the ball, and nobody's talking about anything. So I'm glad those type of players make it. But when we get to the end, when they talk about the wild card picks with Jared Jackson, Paul George, that's where I think we get choppy. Because I agree with most of them All-Stars. But yeah. I think we got a couple of players that's like, I, I don't know. It's weird. But those are only two. Paul George and uh, Jaron Jackson were the two fringe ones. I would have replaced them with uh, Anthony Davis and Anthony Edwards. I think those would have been my two substitutes for those two. But hey, mm. I think they ended up giving it to Paul George off the, the veteran. You've been in the league for a minute. Shit. And I didn't know this either. The Clippers are fourth in the Western Conference somehow. Because honestly, <laughs> Kawhi and PG never play. If they do, play, they never play together. So it's like that shit. It don't make sense how them niggas are fourth in the Western Conference. The West is just so jumbled right now, bro. bro. Like everybody's records are so close. I think if the Lakers were to win five games straight, they're gonna be like the third or the fourth seed, and we're looking Uh, crazy as hell. So I I don't know. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. 
crazy as hell that the Lakers just won. So they came back on the paces. But moving on, speaking of the Lakers, we're moving on to Bron creeps closer to the NBA career scoring title. And I wanted to mention this too. MJ now has his own day <laughs> because uh, tomorrow is going to be 2-3-23. So 23-23, MJ number, obviously. But this is the first I've ever heard of this day. I've been alive for yeah, 24 too. fucking years. This never nigga never had this. a day. But for MJ Day, these sports networks are going to be showing his highlights. All of his memories are going to be speaking on him because MJ knows what's coming up. <laughs> that nigga knows <laughs> Braun is going to break this score title, but he wants to implant in people's minds. Don't forget about me, nigga. Don't forget about me. It's that same thing with that last shit, last day. Don't forget about me, nigga. I'm still the greatest of all time. Nigga. Like, don't forget. It's just funny how this shit worked out. Yeah, I, I never heard of MJ Day. I, he, I really he, haven't. He made a call to ESPN like, hey, nigga, we, we got MJ Day today. <laughs> I don't care what y'all talk about tomorrow. We, this is MJ Day, nigga. All my highlights. All my highlights. Y'all talk about the me. The only thing I know is when people turn 23 and they say it's their Jordan year. Outside of that, I don't know anything. And the fact that it's 2023, so I guess this is the Michael Jordan year. So I, I guess he could have that. But my MJ Day, never heard of it before. That's <laughs> never heard of it, bro. Never. He just literally made it up today because he knew what was coming up, bro. MJ's such a hater, dog. That shit's so crazy to me. That nigga's such a hater, dog. But I love it, though. That's why he the GOAT, though. That's why niggas love him for this shit, though. Niggas love him for this shit. And he hates kids. That's what I'm saying. Fuck them kids, my nigga. That nigga MJ definitely a legend, bro. Definitely with a group. All right, man. Moving on into Wild Wednesday, man. What we got for this week? Uh, so my first poll, go to it. My bad, my bad. First poll I got is Asar Thompson will jump to the number four pick in the 2023 NBA draft. So those of y'all who don't know who Asar Thompson is, he plays in the overtime league. He plays for the City Reapers. And this year he's averaging 16 points, five assists, and seven rebounds. I think he can make that jump. Because outside of um outside of Zach Eady and Wimbanyama, I think um what you call it? I think Thompson can make that jump, bro. And I I like him going to the Hornets because I think right now the Hornets, if the draft were to happen today, they would have the number four pick. I could see Thompson making that jump. You said hold on. So what's the two out Wednesday? Of uh, Asar Thompson will jump to the number four pick in the upcoming 2023 NBA draft. Everything after the number two pick in the NBA draft is a crapshoot. Wimby and Scoop going to be studs. I honestly, actually, I'll take that back. Everybody after the top three is a crapshoot. Because I think Brandon Miller from Alabama is going to be a stud in the NBA. Because I think his shooting ability is crazy. But everything after three is a crapshoot. Because I don't, I don't, I know who you're talking about, Asara Thompson. He has a twin brother, Amin. They're also they're going to be in the draft together this year. They both play for the City Reapers. That's why the stats aren't crazy because them niggas play together. Yeah. I don't like that shit because I've been keeping up with them. I don't like that they play together. But um, I think he's good, but both of them don't have jump shots. They are good defensive yeah. wings. They're good defensive wings. They're like they're both six eight. They both can pass the ball. They're like of the Ben Simmons elk. Like aggressive can get to the rim, good in transition, those type of players, but they can't shoot consistently. Like, they'll have games where they can get streaky, but they can't shoot. Both of them can't. One can shoot better than the other. I think Amin shoots better than Asar. And that's what, that's why it kind of flip-flops when you look at certain mock drafts. Some people put one over the other twin, and then some people put Asar over Amin. It's, it's weird with the flip-flop. But I don't know, bro. 
Maybe they take him off potential. You get the jumper right at number four. Mm-hmm. You take him, but it's a crapshoot at the four. I like Nick Smith. I've been a big Nick Smith fan. He's been injured this entire season. Not entire season. He's played a few games, but he's been injured with a foot injury for most of the season. I still like his game. So I would say not too wild, but I wouldn't pick him out. I would say not too wild. I agree on when it comes to his shooting, uh, not necessarily from the field, but when it comes to his free throws, like I think he's shooting like 66% from the free throw line right now, which is pretty atrocious. Um, So I think if he gets his free throws under control and fixes his jumper, I think he could be a, a huge contributor to somebody like LaMelo Ball on the Hornets. And I've been wanting LaMelo to get a number two for a minute ever since that Miles Bridges situation happened. I heard um, Miles Bridges coming back. You heard he that? coming back, yeah, but I don't know if it's gonna be the same. I don't know. And if it's crazy have the same connection because he's coming back, and they're going to sign him to a contract. Yeah, which is it, wild. It's wild. A, that's wild, ain't it? Like he he got in that trouble. He ain't played this whole season. I heard that he's coming back. I don't know when he's coming back. I don't know if it's soon or if he's gonna wait till next year. But I heard that they're going to give him a contract extension for crazy. beating on his wife. That's crazy. That's crazy. crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. I, 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 I don't get it. <laughs> I totally don't get it. That's crazy. Hey, but but like I like I said, I need somebody else to give Lamelo some help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, what you but, got next? Uh, next one. Virginia will be a Final Four team this year. Too wild or not too wild? So Virginia has won nine out of their last ten games. They've been going on a tear, winning the last seven straight. I think Virginia has a chance to make that push as a Final Four team. Because the way Amar, Amar and um, Franklin playing with the rest of them boys, bro, they they got something going right now. Yeah, because Reese, Reese Beekman, I love Reese Beekman's game. And I think um, I think the coach, Tony, the coach, Tony, damn, what is his last name? Blanking on his last name. Tony. Damn. I'm blanking on uh, Virginia. I'm blanking on his name, too. Tony something. Start with a B. I'm blanking on his name. But, yeah, Kihei Clark, you still got Reese Beekman from last year. I think his improvement has really uh, shown. Jayden. I forgot Jaden last name. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got some Damn. players on Virginia. I don't think they're going mm-hmm. to a Final Four. I think the coach they have. Jaden Gardner. Oh, Jaden Gardner, I know you're talking about. So, I think they have the, the coaching experience. But this year, I don't know what's going to happen, bro. So, it's like I could say yeah, I could say no. But it's no real argument for me for any of these teams. Like, and you can ask – like. Tennessee just lost to Florida yesterday. Florida sucks. Yeah. And Tennessee was the top two team until yesterday. They lost to the fucking Florida. So I don't know what's going to happen in the NCAA tournament, bro. So you can tell me them niggas will make it, and I, I couldn't say you were wrong. The teams that I would look at, I say not too wild for the poll. So the teams that I'm looking at right now, Purdue, I will still have as the favorite to win it all. I still like Alabama. I believe the hype for Virginia at this point because they they catching a streak at the right time. And I've been on Texas bandwagon for a minute. So I'll I'll stay on my Texas bandwagon. I ain't finna jump off. But Purdue, Alabama, Virginia, and Texas, them the top four teams that I think have the the best chance to make it. Let me see. Let me see. I think – I don't know, bro. Cause like I said, Alabama was the best team I seen a week ago. Then they ended up losing to, they ended up getting thumped by somebody this past weekend. Who did they get thumped mm-hmm. by? Oh, they got thumped by somebody a couple of days ago. Was it? It Kansas was Oklahoma. State? It was no. It was Oklahoma. They ended up getting uh, thumped by Oklahoma. 
Oklahoma's solid, probably a tournament team, but the, it wasn't a close game. It was like a 25-point win, and they beat Alabama, who was a top-three team. You know what I'm saying? Like, that type of shit just doesn't make sense to me, bro. Like, how so how much of a pendulum it is in college basketball. I don't know what I'm going to get with the best teams in college basketball. Even Purdue. I don't like Purdue's game. And that shit never translates to the damn college uh, tournament. They never win the tournament. So it's like, I, I don't believe in any of these teams, bro. I just got to see. No, I just got to see, bro. I think Kansas is the one team, even though they've been up and down and they won, they lost a couple of games over the past couple of weeks, is a team that you always consistently have to look out for. And they're, they're a team that I watch the most as well. But Jalen Wilson, I think he should be player of the year, honestly. I think he's been the best player in college basketball. And they have the formula in terms of the perimeter defenders. They have a good on-ball defender with DeWan Harris. But one thing that they're missing is a solid big man. That's the one thing that scares me about Kansas. They have no true size. The center that they're using right now is like 6'8". He's really like a, a forward, you know what I'm saying? Not really a true center. So if they go up against big teams in the tournament, that could be an issue. But in terms of their wings, like Grady, Dick, Jalen Wilson, McCuller, uh, Dewan Harris, they have good wings that can win you uh, tournament games. And they have enough experience as well. So that's the one team I'm looking out for. Everybody else is kind of like a crapshoot for me. Bro. Hey, like I told y'all last week, brackets going to drop like crazy after that round of 64. Yep, it, they are. They always do, but it's gonna be a huge drop after that first round. <laughs> I, I don't know what to expect this year, bro. I truly I, don't. I don't either. I, I truly don't, bro. What you got next? And my last one: the Colorado Buffaloes football team will win at least six games next season. So I know y'all been seeing Dion been recruiting like crazy, getting uh, a five star to come to Buffalo. They got a, a ton of three stars. Uh, they got a ton of four stars. But just to go over the schedule that Colorado has for next season, they got TCU for the first game on the road. They got Nebraska at home, Colorado State at home, at Oregon, USC at home, at Arizona State, Stanford at home, at UCLA, Oregon State at home, Arizona, Washington State, Utah, and if they were to make it to the Pac-12 championship. I, I think they could do it. I think they could win. I was about season. to say, I think they're going to have a very good season next year. I think next year we're going to see a good season. I think um his son, well, what is his son's son name? Shador, Shador Sanders. I think Shador is going to have a big year next year, bro. It's a huge mm. step up. I think it's going to be an adjustment period. So I'm not going to be too harsh on him on his first couple of games because even though niggas don't want to admit it, there is a talent difference between HBCUs and the high-class football in Power 1. Yeah, Power 5. It, it just is. So I think it's going to be a talent difference. The windows are going to close up quicker. You're starting to play against better talent. But I think he is going to start getting better throughout the season. They're going to win about eight games, bro. They're going to lose the USC, the UCLA, like the top teams. But I think Utah is losing their quarterback. I think I think uh, Rising you, is you losing. You think they can upset TCU at TCU for the first game of the season? Is Duggan leaving, ain't he? Duggan leaving? Yeah, but hey, Sonny Dyke's still coaching, and and, 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 and that's recruiting for to go through the roof too. I see that they had a top recruiting class this year, which is impressive for for TCU as well. But and this is something else about Dion. I think Dion is going to have the steepest learning curve uh, uh, compared to all of his players. 
because I don't think he's ever had to be in this position where you actually have to game plan at this high of a level, bro. Like when you talk about all of these other coaches in his conference, Chip Kelly, offensive mastermind. You talk about uh, Lincoln Riley, offensive mastermind. I mean, David Shaw, when he was at Stanford, you know what I'm saying? Known for the defense, always had a good quarterback. Everybody in the conference was known for something, whether it was Utah running the football. Even and what when Jackson State. Just went to, um, who just went to Nebraska? What coach just went to Nebraska from the NFL? Was with the Panthers. Uh, Rule, Matt Rule. Yep, Matt Rule at Nebraska. So everybody, he, was good at college. he was decent at college. So, so the thing is, everybody has an identity except for Dion. And I think that's, that's the thing. We haven't really seen that at Jackson State. He was winning games, but we haven't seen him against this level of competition have an identity yet. So I want to see, wait, well, is he going to lean on, is he going to lean on Shador? No, nah, they, they have an identity. It's going to be DBU. He's going to treat Colorado like that. That only takes you so far, though. Like, you still have to do something on terms but, of But that's the identity, identity, though, to, to identity. answer the identity. So question. the defense is it, going to be the identity. It's whether or not the identity is going to work. Because I you can have a good secondary, but your, is your front four or your front seven going to be there? Mm. So is the whole defense going to be the identity? Are you leaning on defense? Or are you leaning on your running game or the quarterback? You have to have something. It just can't be the secondary because the secondary can only take you so far. Because even when That's we talk true. about the Cincinnati secondary, which had Sauce Gardner, had Kobe Bryant, all them boys went to the league, they were good because they also had a good front seven as well that paired with that. So if you don't have a good front seven, it's like, yeah, if them niggas have tons of times in the pocket to throw, we're going to get torched. You know what I'm saying? So you have to have a good overall defense for Colorado. It's They're, they're a fun team. I think they're going to end up getting about seven, eight wins, though. I still think they're going to end up getting seven. I, I, I can see that, too, because I could definitely see – I can see them getting the dub over um Colorado State. I can see them winning over Arizona, Washington State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they 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 got some believable dubs on here, bro. The top, t- I think they're losing to all the top teams though, like the the UCLA's, USC. Yeah, you getting knocked off, bro. TCU, that'll be a hell TCU. of a way to start the season off. If they, oh, they go start to TCU off with TCU, yeah, they start off with TCU <laughs> on the road. That's, that's why a, I said on that's the road. a hell of a way to start off your season. That's a hell of a way to start off your tenure, my nigga. Against TCU coming <laughs> off a championship, that's crazy. That's crazy. But uh, my last one is um, Aaron Rodgers will be a Raider next year. Too wild or not too wild? So this is why I say this: Devontae Adams had a lot of not so cryptic tweets, not tweets, but uh, IG posts recently. He had ended up posting on his IG, him and uh, Aaron Rodgers, like a, a pass from uh, a couple of years ago in uh, Green mm-hmm. Bay. And he also posted something on Twitter. He had did a Q&A and somebody had ended up asking him, where will Aaron Rodgers be living next year? And he said, next to me, or he'll be living in my neighborhood or something along those lines. So, it's starting a lot of dots, or Devontae is trying to connect a lot of dots for us that Aaron Rodgers is looking to go somewhere else other than Green Bay, and the Raiders might be that destination. So too wild or not too wild? I say not too wild, although I don't think Green Bay will let him walk. I think um, I think it's very possible that he could link up with Devontae Adams. The only thing is with Aaron Rodgers, he has to be willing to understand that he has to build chemistry with his teammates. That was a huge outside of Devontae Adams. Cause that was a huge issue this past season with green Bay. Like we seen as the season progressed that the receivers got better. They got more adapted to Aaron understood him a lot more. And they were building chemistry as they got later into the season. 
But you can't play those games if you go into that division where you got to play Herbert and Patrick Mahomes twice a year. And we're hoping that Russell Wilson is at least half of what he was. So you don't want to go to the Raiders with a terrible defense, I might add, and be <laughs> possibly the third or fourth best quarterback in that division. So I don't know. I, I think it's not too wild. He could very well go there to link back up um with Devontae. But I, I think it's just – it would be too much to ask of Aaron Rodgers to be the third or fourth best quarterback in the division and still try to get a Super Bowl. And that's the thing to me. That's why it was kind of hard for me to see. That's why I say too wild. It's hard for me to see to go to the Raiders. Like, yeah, you got Devontae, but we seen how hard it was for uh, Derek Carr this year. Even though if your if your weapons are healthy, which they weren't this year with Waller and Renfro, you can have a solid team, good team. But your defense is terrible. Like if you, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to improve the defense, bro. Yeah, you're an upgrade over Derek Carr, but they're going to have to trade so many picks to get you, which is going to take away from yeah. the defense unless you're going to pull in some in free agency. But I don't think they got that type of money. So it's like, bro, where where are you getting this talent on defense? So I think that's the big thing. I think that he's taking a step back if he goes to the Raiders. He's worse than with the, than he is with the Packers. You might as well stay in the I NFC. I agree because well. the, the NFC is so damn wide open at this point, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, the AFC, we know this is on lock. We know you finna have to go through Mahomes, Herbert, and Trevor Lawrence, at, and Joe Burrow at minimum. Those four quarterbacks at minimum. I ain't mm -hmm. even say Lamar yet. I ain't say Deshaun Watson yet. Mm -hmm. I ain't say no other quarterback yet. Yep. Now, I feel you, bro. I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, moving on to entertainment and current events. Starting us off with the Tyree Nichols tragedy. Yeah, so um, this is some really sad news. And I know we, me and Quincy hate to talk about this stuff because it, it just still happens so often to where we're desensitized. Uh, but recently, police footage was given of five black police officers of the Memphis Police Department severely beating Tyree Nichols, a 29-year-old a black man, during a traffic stop. Nichols was hospitalized in critical condition and died three days later. The officers claimed to have stopped Nichols for reckless driving. They pulled him over from his car, used pepper spray, and tased him. During the incident, Nichols managed to break away. When officers caught up with Nichols, they beat him for about three minutes, punching and kicking him in the head and striking him on the back with a baton while he was restrained. The officers who were involved were Tadarius Bean, age 24, Demetrius Haley, age 30, Emmett Martin III, age 30, Desmond Mills Jr., age 32, and Justice, Justin Smith, age 28. These were all black officers in the city of Memphis, which is wild as hell. And they were part of a task force called Scorpion, which means Street Crimes Operation to Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods. <laughs> so you're part of a peace unit in a black city like Memphis, and you're five black officers, and you do this? Like and people were some people were trying to connect the dots and say he must have had beef with one of them. Some people were saying one of the officers. That's what I heard. For a girl, yeah. Or something. But it's like, bro, y'all are five black officers in a black city, part of a task force to help keep peace in the neighborhood, and we doing this to each other. Like, come on, bro. And and they were members of a fraternity as well. Omega Sci-Fi has officially you know taken away their memberships from the fraternity. They're completely banned for life from the fraternity. I'm just sad to see this because we always have to deal with the police when it's not our skin color, 
Now we're trying to plead the white people that, hey, this is a white and black thing. Now we just need to say, no, this is a blue thing. This is a police mm-hmm. versus black people thing. It don't matter if you're white, black, Asian, Hispanic, or whatever on a police force. We mm-hmm. have to be afraid of you at this point. No. So I'm, I'm just tired of it, bro. That video was gut-wrenching to watch. and That's I why I didn't it. watch it. That's why I didn't watch it. I watched it because, one, I was at my parents' house, and they were watching it. So it's not like I just went to it to watch it. But I had to watch it, bro, because we just we need to remember sometimes why we protest. We need to really remember why we're trying to fight the fights that we're trying to fight. And sometimes it takes more than just reading about it. Sometimes it takes more than just seeing the before and after picture. Sometimes to really snap people back into reality, you got to watch the shit that you really don't want to watch sometimes. And I think that has to fuel us to do better and want better. The police chief, who was a black woman of that Memphis department, I applaud her for doing what she should have done, which was immediately fire them, immediately get them charged, everything. It's sad that we don't see that happen quicker with white Uh. officers. And it's sad that the one time they do it the right way, it's us. So it's just, it's we're messed up all around. Five of us are going to prison and one of us is dead. Like, we, we didn't handle this situation correctly at all. And it's funny because this isn't the first occurrence where it's a black on black crime or a black police officer going against somebody, a, 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 a innocent black person. Like we have that quote for a reason of all skin folk ain't kin folk for a reason, my nigga, because we already know what's going on, even though we're all we're all black. Once you get on that side, shit, just all black folks in general. You can't trust nobody on the outside anymore with all this chaos that's going on outside nowadays. But especially when they cross over to that side, when they become a, a part of the police uh, crew, you don't know what's going to happen because now they're in turn. They're a part of that that criminalized system now, bro. They're a part of the system that's they're been that hated. Now. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? They, they're the system was rooted against blacks. So even though they're blacks, they're they were paid to go against us, bro. They are paid to throw us in jail. They are paid to go after us even more, even though they are black. So it's crazy that we're seeing that even more. That's why I didn't watch the video because even though it's a black, it's black people doing this to a black person, it's the same old story every time. And I just can't keep watching it. I wouldn't have felt any way about it either because that's not to say anything uh, against him or his family, but it's that I'm just so desensitized, man. We've seen this so many times at this point. It's like, when is it going to change? We've protested in the streets for George Floyd. Nothing changed. We're still getting this every year where it's a big, situation like this i mean we had some uh, a couple of uh months ago and nobody talked about it at all like it's starting to get back to the point where it's starting to get swept under the rug again about police brutality this one popped back up to the the main surface because it was black police officer against black kid or black man but a lot of these are starting to get swept back under the rug so it's nothing that i can say about this shit anymore and as a black person you're you're just made to feel helpless because what do we do we can't vote this away or we do we try everybody says you got to vote for your local politicians but it doesn't matter who you vote for it don't matter who's in office it's the same occurrence for black people all the time and i want to play this one um dr umar clip which was very enlightening to me bro i mean dr umar is one of those people where it's like you can disagree with him sometimes you can agree with him sometimes but he spoke on the the outlook of voting and how it doesn't really uh help black folks. I want to play this clip real But I will only vote when you give me a reason. Okay. Let's take voting in America. 
black people in America never get anything when they vote. So how do they motivate us to vote if we never get nothing when we do? Fear. Black people are the only constituency in this country who vote out of fear. In other words, I'm not voting to stop police brutality because they're not going to stop it. I'm not voting to change mass incarceration and not going to change it. I'm not voting to fix the schools. They're never going to fix them. So what you voting for? Because I'm afraid of what Trump might do. You see that? That's how we vote. Fear. Mm-hmm. Now, when the Jews go to the polls, when the Latinos go to the polls, when the Arabs, the East Indians, the Anglo-Saxons go to the polls, they're going for concessions. I'm getting something out of this vote. I'm getting something that we already agreed upon before election day. Black people are getting nothing. We vote out of fear. Our motivation is fear. Joe Biden may do nothing for you, but Donald Trump will be worse. So that was our opening to me, bro, because you brought up the, the subject of the protest, of how the protest, we got to do more protests. We got to watch these videos because something has to change. But we've been saying that. Well, let's just take the last three years, for example. We've tried to vote. I mean, Stacey Abrams has been somebody who's big, who was the, the Atlanta or the I think she's the Atlanta mayor or a judge or a senator at this point. But she's been somebody big on getting more black people to vote. But nothing has changed over this time when they've tried to put more black people in terms of voting, in terms of protesting, nothing has changed for us in terms of the mass incarceration, in terms of the, the police brutality or the schools. When is it going to change, bro? What do we have to do? We're meant to feel helpless. And that's why I played this video. I'm not telling you not to vote because it's a lot of things that you can poke holes even in that quote for Dr. Umar. But what are we supposed to do when there's nothing that we can do at this point? We've tried everything, it feels like. I, I think there are things we can do it's just we have to put such a huge effort in to make them happen quickly as to where other nationalities in the U.S. don't have to go about it as, excuse me, as quickly to, for it to happen as quickly. Like we recently just had, um, I forgot how many, but we have several African-American women in Supreme Court justice now. Like we we're making changes in small increments. So although, yes, the grand scheme of things, yes, things are still happening to us that we do feel helpless in. But I think the small piece of the pie that we can take gratitude in is that we are slowly but surely making change. I I think it needs to happen a lot faster. I think we need to come up with a way to really put our foot on the tiger's neck and really just force our way into getting what we deserve, whether it's rights, whether it's freedom, whether it's anything anything of that nature because honestly this has been the white man's game for years give the give the white give the black man a cookie just so they can be content so they'll go away for a little while and when they'll come back we'll give them a little more and then they'll go away again this has been the white man's game for years and we keep going along with this shit like we're progressing when we're not this isn't progress that is going on we're on the white man's time doing what the white man wants us to do and knows that we're going to do he knows that we're going to up more because of this. He knows what's going to happen. He's going to give us a little, we win, a little leniency for a, a couple of a couple of weeks. Then it's going to go back to the same old, same old shit. Nothing really changes, bro. This has been a white man's game for years, so there's no progress. That's why I can't watch these videos anymore because it's the same old story, the same old bullshit, and we've tried everything, whether it's a silent protest, non-aggressive protest, aggressive protest, violent protest. It doesn't matter what happens to us, bro. If you get too aggressive, 
you're gonna get killed. We seen it with Malcolm X. You're gonna get killed. You're gonna get two two Black Panthers. You're gonna get killed if you get too aggressive. We've seen it so many times where it it no no matter where you turn with these type of revolutionary acts or these type of progressive acts for black folks, the shit goes nowhere, bro. So it, I feel hopeless. Oh, in terms of police brutality, I don't know where to go. I really don't. And it just it makes it hard sometimes because we know at least here in St. Pete, like we know about two to three good cops, good black cops throughout our lives. Like um, Reggie Harris, like his dad, Coach Reggie, like good dude. He a cop. He He's a black cop, but he's a black cop that has always been on the lookout for us. One, because he coached us. A lot of us, you know, growing up with little league basketball Two, he's grown up in our neighborhood. So he knows us. He understands us. And three, like it, it could happen to him if he ain't got his uniform. But this, I was, so he I was, understands the context of it. This is this is what I say about that though. No disrespect to Coach Reggie because I'm pretty sure Coach Reggie is a good cop because I know I personally know Coach Reg. But we don't. We have never seen Coach Reg in a uniform. But we don't know what Coach Reg looked like outside of what he in his actual. Oh, career, I, I've seen him in uniform before. But I'm yeah. saying in terms of like everyday life, you've been on night rides with him. You being with him when he actually has to go on scenes. That's what nah. I'm sorry. I'm trying to say. Like, we never see him in the actual duty. And it's not his job because, like I said, it's just the system that we're in, bro. It's set up. The Constitution is set up to attack black folks when you are a cop. So it's nothing that you can do because these five black people who ended up attacking Tyree Nichols, you can say the same thing about them. They grew up with us. They was a part of our fraternities. They they are a part of the same thing that, that we they That's seen. True. They probably grew up with Tyree Nichols, and they still ended up doing what they were doing. When you get on that side, we don't know who you become. Yeah, we could be cool with you outside of the clothes. But, bro, when you get in that blue, I don't know who you are, bro. I don't know what you can do to me. You know what I'm saying? So it's weird because my godfather is a cop. But it's like I don't, I've don't. i never seen him on the scene. I don't know what he does while being a cop. I hope he's a good dude because he's my godfather. But I, I can't. I honestly can't call him. I don't know what he does. Is he crooked? Is he this? Does he do this with, with black? I don't know. And, and somebody, um, I forgot what her name was, but I, I was watching CNN when I watched the video, and somebody made a really good point of questioning what is the answer to getting it through the mind of new police and, and current police men and women of this is just wrong. We say we need to spend more money on training over the last three to four years minimum since the George Floyd situation. We spent millions of dollars, apparently, on new police training methods and this, that, and the third, blah, 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 it's still happening. So it's clearly something bigger than the training. It's the intent, I believe, that certain people go into wanting to be a police officer for. I, I think me and Denisha Googled it. You could become a police officer, honestly, in less than Easily. seven to eight months. Very easy, yeah. Like, the fact that we have to go to school for four years to do journalism, but you can get a badge and a gun and a cop car and less than a year is wild as hell to me. Like, that's wild. And if you watch the video, bless you, if you watch the video, the cops were out of shape who were beating him. Like, and, and that's crazy as hell to me. Like, they first off, they were pissed off, and they did what they did to Tyree Nichols because when he got away originally, you know what they could have done? They could have just chalked that up as an L and just say, hey, we'll, we'll find him next time. He got away from us. We don't know where he is. It's no use of doing a manhunt on somebody that we were just doing a traffic stop for. His uh -huh. car is right here, so we can run his tag. We can get his address. We can find out what we need on him. 
we'll see him next time. No, they were pissed off because they accidentally pepper sprayed themselves and they look, they got embarrassed on their own body cam footage because somebody got away and they didn't want that embarrassment of damn, this dude really got away. We got to teach him a lesson. So it's the fact that you have people who are so hot headed like that, who are able to enforce the law upon people. And I think that's just a huge issue. You can get all the training in the world, but if your mind and your spirit isn't right of trying to keep the peace, like the Scorpion Initiative is supposed to do, keep peace in the neighborhoods, like that, that's a huge issue that I don't know how we will get around. Because if we train somebody right, but they still go out here and do the same messed up thing because that's just what they want to do, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. So like I said, man, I don't know. I don't know what's the step for. We've said it before. I mean, we've had a whole episode talking about, I mean, going back to like the George Floyd situation. We talked about changing the Constitution. They ain't doing that shit. The white folk damn sure ain't going to change that. But it, that's what has to happen if we're going to see any change, bro. Because everything we've tried everything, I feel like, man. I truthfully feel that. Damn no. All right, man. And moving on to movie producer Alec Baldwin is charged with manslaughter for the fatal shooting and production of movie Rust. Yeah, so according to CNN, actor and producer Alec Baldwin has been criminally charged in connection with the 2021 shooting on the set of the movie Rust. The charges against Baldwin and the set's armorer, Hannah Gutierrez Reed, include two counts of involuntary manslaughter. Attorneys for both defendants previously insisted their respective clients are innocent. Negligent use of a deadly weapon charges were filed against Rust assistant director David Halls, who has played has who has pleaded no contest has entered into a plea agreement and that is pending approval and uh halls is scheduled for an in-person court appearance on march 8th and on wednesday february 24th the state announced a february 24th court date against baldwin and got tiris reed so, yeah this is the situation I, that happened I'm, a couple years I'm ago wasn't it? About it was this yeah, a couple this years ago this is a couple years ago i remember when this shit ended up going down because it was a mishap with the i think the director it was a it was a prop gun, but they ended up having a bullet in there because it was some type of mishap, whoever handles the bullet. I think it was some production assistant was supposed to get the bullet correct so they can end it up. Because you're supposed to have a yeah, flash. Yeah, that, that's the assistant that they're talking about. Yeah, because you're supposed to be like a flash prop in there so you could see the gun like blast, but he actually had like real bullet in there ended up killing a, killing an old girl. So the situation was crazy. I remember reading up on that a couple years ago. So I didn't think I, he was going to jail for this, though. That's yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't agree with it. I think at least for Alec Baldwin, he should not be facing any charges. That's like if I'm on the set of Game of Thrones, you guys give me a sword and I go to stab somebody and I actually stab somebody because I'm like, oh, shit, this is real. Like mm -hmm. and now I'm getting charged with whatever I get charged with. The person dies or if I just injure the person. But if I'm the actor and I truly do not know. I mean, yes, you could say it's involuntary manslaughter, but how am I getting charged with anything like Mm -hmm. This was not my intention, but I guess when they do the investigation, they have to look into all the ins and outs. And somebody you know, has to be it, held accountable. Somebody has no, to be held. Somebody accountable. has to be held accountable. So mm -hmm. I understand it. Mm -hmm. I just, I would just hate that. I would hate that if that was me because it's like, damn, I, I'm telling y'all, I did not do this. I had no idea about this, and I've issued an apology. So mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I totally disagree. With I, this. I understand it because you have to give the the family who is mourning something. You can't just mm -hmm. say. Oh, my daughter is dead. And oh, it's just an accident. Oh, somebody has to be held to justice. Somebody has to be held accountable for what happened, whether it's the assistant or even both of them, because both of y'all niggas made the slip up. 
And I'm pretty sure it's just him. The assistant didn't get charged, did they? Uh, the assistant armorer is uh, she has a court date as well. Oh, she does. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're both getting charged because I thought yeah. they charged him because he's the producer of the whole thing. Because so you're over the whole set production and you were the one who shot the gun. I didn't think yeah, he and, was. Oh, wow. And a guy, Therese Reed, is the set's armorer assistant. Mm -hmm. So the so the person that you were talking about with the weapons and all that one yeah. set, she she's facing similar charges. Oh, wow. So. Now that's even more surprising. Because I, I figured mm -hmm. somebody was going to be held accountable, but she didn't shoot the gun, but it was her mm -hmm. mistake, though. Yep. So it was like, that's how she has to get in there. Rest in peace to the girl who ended up dying over this fatal shooting, because nobody wants to see this happen. Because this is obviously unfortunate. What's her name who ended up passing away because of this? Uh, what was her name? I just saw her name. God damn it. Yeah, but this is a definitely unfortunate situation. This is something that happened on... Uh, I seen a movie about this, bro. The movie Crow. I don't know if you've seen the movie Crow. Go ahead. Say her uh, name. Helena. I think that's how you say her first name. Helena Hutchins. That's her name. Definitely rest in peace. Definitely rest in peace. Definitely gone too soon. But this happened on the set of Crow with um Bruce Bruce Lee's son. Bruce Lee's son ended up dying in this same type of way because mm. um he was on a set of Crow. That's a real. It's a real like pulp like pop culture movie. Like if you read it a pop culture, I've seen it before. It was a scene where he ended up getting shot, but it was the same type of thing. There was a set mistake. He ended up getting shot on purpose. They rushed him to the Damn. hospital, but it was too late. He ended up passing away. They had to finish the movie with like a, a, a stunt double. And they had to do like Damn. some CGI with his face so it, it'll look like him, but it wasn't really him who finished off the movie. They were almost done, but they didn't fully finish the movie before he ended up passing wow. away. Wow. Because of that. that. Yeah, Bruce Lee's son. Damn. So if you guys are, definitely watch the movie Crow because that's one of the, the movies that's very underrated. Because a lot of people mm. say the movie The Joker has a lot of similarities to the movie The Crow. You know what I'm saying? A lot of like redemption quality and stuff like that. So it's a it's, it's a dope movie. But yeah, that same type of situation happened. But moving forward, uh, a Florida-based degree scheme leads to a hunt for 2,800 fraudulent nurses, man. So this is a crazy-ass situation. So three Florida nursing schools, I think it was Siena, Siena... Uh, college in Broward. It was damn. Let me go ahead. Delaware State Board of Nursing. Damn. Let me find the schools real quick. That's a, I'm I just trying to school. find them too. Because they were all in Miami, like Miami, South Florida area. I'm trying to find the schools. Hey, the home of fraud. <laughs> that, that's what I'm saying. That's why it's so funny. Because that's why I put Florida-based scheme. Because it's like you already know this shit coming. Oh, from okay. Florida. I got it right here. Um, okay, go ahead. The overall scheme involved the distribution of more than seven seven thousand six hundred fake nursing diplomas issued by three South Florida-based nursing schools: Siena College in Broward County, Palm Beach School of Nursing in Palm Beach, and Sacred Heart International Institute in Broward County. These schools are now closed, and each defendant faces up to twenty years in prison. It's funny because the schools are now closed. Part. Nobody realized that shit <laughs> until like recently when this pro this plot has been going on for like a 10 year, 11 year sequence. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Which is crazy. But 700. So the thing is, 7,800 people. I think you have to do. It's a certain requirement when you want to be a nurse. You have to yeah, you get your diploma. State exam. Yeah, you got to get your diploma. Then you got to do something else. And then you have to take a state exam. So that's why they say 7,800 people ended up getting the diploma or whatever, but only 2,800 people ended up passing the exam 
That's why they're on the hunt for the 2800 who are actually nurses now, who are actually spread across the U.S. So that's who currently who the government is on the lookout for. So 2800 nurses, they've ended up finding 25 in South Florida. They found 22 in the Delaware, Delaware state area. They found 20 in the Washington state area who were a part of this fraudulent scheme that has been going on for the past 10, 11 years, which nobody knew. And this shit is just crazy to me because you never know who's taking care of your people. Like we have our people, our people getting older now. Obviously they're going to uh, get to the point where they're like in hospitals getting checkups uh, consistently. And you don't, you can't even trust the nurses nowadays because you don't know if they have the proper training or anything like that. You're, you're putting your, your people in their hands. You don't know if they have the right background. They're just doing this job with no training. You don't know if they're doing it correctly. You don't know, you know what I'm saying? What can happen? What mishaps they can do while having this title on them? So this is just like a crazy-ass occurrence that we just found out like a week ago. And it's sad because these students have paid tens of thousands of dollars to get these certificates, degrees, or whatever, and now it's basically like it doesn't count. Not only does it not count, like this is a situation where hopefully the students don't get in trouble because the students I, are getting just, in trouble. But how can you get in trouble if you didn't know you were getting a fake degree? No, they That's knew. The they knew. That's the thing. Oh. They knew. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They knew these schools oh. were closed, but they still ended up paying these people who were connected to these schools that oh. hey, give me give me this for 10,000, give me the diploma so I can pass my exam so I can become a nurse. Because even though I'm paying you this $10,000, i am going to get that money back when I become a nurse. So I'm going to be cool. They knew what they were getting into. That's why they're charging wow. these people who bought these fraudulent diplomas. Because you knew what you were doing. Like, you can't tell me over the last four or five years you didn't know what the hell you were buying. Because they never took any classes to get to their diploma, bro. They just paid the $10,000 and they got their diploma. They just had to pass the exam. If you passed the exam, you were good to go. So what you still had to do some study. Up. So you still had to do some studying in terms of the exam. But in terms of the 5,000 people who didn't pass, you just lost $10,000. But for these 2,800 women that did pass, or women or men who did pass, you ended up passing the exam. That's crazy. So they knew what I they were doing. I did not know that. They knew what they were doing. What the hell? Yeah, bro. So yeah, they're Damn, not innocent. You just blew my mind with that. They're not innocent in this, bro. They're not innocent in this. So let me. So we got a bunch of RNs, LPNs, and CNAs walking around, and they don't they don't know what the hell they're doing. That's wild because it it didn't make sense to me that y'all are going to school, quote unquote, for like a year. I, I have friends who are real nurses, like mother baby nurses, and this, that, and the third. They had to do all four years of um, college. They had to intern at hospitals. They had to have actual um, healthcare type of jobs. And then they became mother baby nurses. So they're going through the whole shebang. And you mean to tell me y'all doing the same shit? And y'all went to school for like a year or a year and a half? They're nah, just passing the exam. Right. I don't even know right if they're through. going to school. They're just passing the exam and moving on and act like they That's did the whole training. Crazy. So let me read this first line of, of this article. It says, more than 2,800 people may be working as nurses under false pretenses after allegedly buying a fake diploma for between $10,000 and $15,000 from a massive Florida-based scheme recently busted by federal investigators. 
state and federal authorities are now working to track down the alleged fraudulent nurses and in some cases immediately annulling their licenses. It says last week, the Department of Justice announced 28 charges uh, in five states connected to the alleged scheme. The investigation code named Operation Nightingale found evidence that the 25 defendants worked to sell more than 7,600 fake diplomas, along with transcripts between 2016 and 2021, making over $100 million in the process. The fraudulent diplomas and transcripts were allegedly issued from three accredited Florida-based nursing schools like Eggert Redolf earlier, Siena College, Sacred Heart International Institute, and Palm Beach School of Nursing in Palm Beach County. So this, from what I'm reading, from what I just read, I feel like the people knew what they were doing. That is wild. This whole time I thought these people was innocent, just ain't know what they was doing. Damn, y'all. Florida yep. going to do it. Florida going to do it every time. Every time, bro. bro. <laughs> every, every time. time. Every time, Damn. bro. Make yep. sure y'all check y'all nurses. Check y'all nurses. Check y'all CNAs. All that. Because, like, but this, honestly, this is for real. Like Quincy said, like, this is serious. These are people who are taking care of people. So. Because how can you honestly verify that they're not? Uh, oh, I guess you can see the school they have. I guess if you see the school, Palm Beach County is like, no, nah, nigga, I can't trust I'm about to say, I, I would assume... I would assume these um businesses and these hospitals can do degree checks if they yeah. really want to. Damn, mm. they definitely can. Oh, but you went to Palm Beach County on the already. You should have already <laughs> knew if that was from Florida, they was on that bullshit. <laughs> you already knew. South Florida, especially, you should have already knew they was on that bullshit. Oh, you should have already knew. Now that shit crazy because they said the 25 defendants who ended up getting picked up over the past week. It's facing up to 20 years. Each is facing up to 20 years. So Which this is a hard time. Hard time they're looking at, bro. Hard time. And moving on to uh, movie and show news, man. We got James Gunn announces upcoming DCU slate. And when I tell y'all that shit is thick, that boy James Gunn got a plan over there. And I'm definitely excited to see what he has single coming up. Handedly, single handedly just saved DC. I tweeted it and I'm going to say it again. He single-handedly just saved DC with this slate that he just laid out for us. It's going to be great. And, and I like how he's already putting the disclaimer out there. Anything that does not connect is in its own separate universe. So there's no mm. confusion with mm -hmm. anything. I like that he put that disclaimer out there. Man, so James Gunn came out with a video a couple of days ago, basically giving out the, the upcoming releases, announcing what's going to come up. Uh, with the upcoming slate. If you did not know, James Gunn is now the CEO of DC uh, DC Studios, him and Peter Safran. So he has control completely over what comes out, what movies are coming out. Uh, he's writing on a couple of these projects. He's producing a couple of these movies. I think he's going to or direct a couple of these movies as well. So that should be exciting because if you know James Gunn's style, he's done uh, Suicide Squad, the recent one. He's done the Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy movies, which have been fantastic. They have the third one coming up. So now he's transitioning to the DCU. And the upcoming slate looks tremendous. First of all, he said to wrap up the last phase of the past DCU, we're going to get the... What did he, what did he say, bro? We're going to get... Damn, what's the movie that's coming out? We're going to get the Flash movie. We're yeah. going to get something else. He said the Flash movie and... Damn, bro. What's this? Another movie that comes out. What to to end up what we just 
been seeing. Yeah, recently? he said it's going to be a Flash movie. Uh, he said it's going to be a Flash movie, not, not Blue Beetle, and oh, Aquaman too. Yes, yes, but it was Blue something Beetle. else. But it comes out before. That comes out before Flash. Either way, we're going to get that shit. But he said that Flash is going to be one of the best movies of all time. No bullshit. He said that. And I, I'm starting to feel a little better about this Flash movie, bro. I heard that there was a lot of reshoots with this Flash movie and all this other shit. But if James Gunn, even though he's now the CEO, so he has to say good shit to get us in the seats. But if he's saying that, I'm starting to feel a little more confident because that was the last, that was the last regime of DCU. So he honestly could have trashed that movie or not even brought it up. But he said that this movie is going to have such a huge impact on the future of the DCU. I'm like, this new Flash movie might really, might really hit like that. I don't know. And I'm excited because we're going to get, um, I hate when people announce movies like two years ahead because now we got to wait a whole two years. But we're going to get, although Henry Cavill is not going to be playing um, Superman anymore, we're going to get a Superman movie. We're going to get a Supergirl movie. Uh, we're going to get a Batman movie, a part of the DC universe. So the the um, the Batman that we saw recently last year, that's going to be its own separate Batman storyline. So the Batman we're going to get in the James Gunn DC universe, we're going to have Robin this time, and we're going to get an actual Bat family. Like, we're finally going to get introduced to the Bat family. We're going to have a Swamp Thing movie. Uh, we're going to have... Uh, I think it's um the authority. Yeah, we're gonna the, have they're like a group. They're like uh the boys type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we we finna get some crazy stuff, bro. Like I, I'm excited. This I might actually start watching DC movies for real. Cause I I tell you all the time I'm not watching any of what has already been done because it's not connecting. And they just said they're scrapping all of it. So it's no point in me watching it. The Rock just but got a bag to play Black Adam, and we don't yeah, know if he's going to have anything to do with He's not going to have anything to do with the DCU. But look, <laughs> that four-hour version of the Justice League movie, I'll go to bat for that film. That movie was mm -hmm. fire when we got the full thing. That 2.30 version was terrible. But the four-hour <laughs> version, it's going to take you some days to get through it. But that shit was fire. That shit actually made sense Damn. as well. That shit was good. That shit was good. And let me read off a, a couple of more things that uh, Edgar already started off. We're going to get the Superman legacy like you talked about. We're getting that in 2025. We're getting a Lantern series. There was a lot of debate on if we were just going to yeah. get one with Hal Jordan or one with Jon Stewart. They're both going to be in this uh, this uh, series. It's going to be like a true crime type of thriller. Uh, if you don't know Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart are high-key like enemies. So seeing them together trying to investigate certain things is going to be dope. Like Edgar said, the Batman Part 2, New Batman with Damian Wayne. Another one that I'm uh, interested to see is Booster Gold. He's like a goofy character in the DCU, but I think that could be a nice comedy. We're going to bring back Wan not Wonder Woman, but uh, Wonder Woman and like this Paradise Lost series or oh, movie yeah. that they're going to do. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be in uh, her native land. And that's going to be like yeah, uh, Paradise Island and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's going to be fire. Supergirl, Swamp Thing. If you don't know, Swamp Thing uh, had a show like two years ago in 2021, I think it was 11 episodes, and it was pretty graphic. I heard that the film community was really into it. I'm going to start watching that. So if you are interested to see what Swamp Thing is, that movie is going to be very, very graphic, like rated R graphic. Like he kills niggas. Like it's somebody who is a regular human. He goes into a swamp. He is a swamp mixed with chemicals. He ends up turning into like a Swamp Thing monster or whatever. And he's mad about what he's turned into, so he just kills everything that he's looking for. 
So it's like, if you guys are interested in like the ripping apart gore type of part of the DCU, that's what Swamp Thing is going to be. So the slate is going to be Flyer coming up. So I'm glad that James Gunn is now the leader of this. So definitely shout out to him. And uh, that is it for all of the topics. So moving on to Past the Ox, what you got for this week? Uh, I got two songs. So I got Hey There by Days Loaf and Future. And I got Dead and Gone by T.I. and Justin Timberlake. I got Man of the Year by Rich Homie Quan. Been playing that a lot lately. And I got Don't Take Your Love Away by Avant. That shit been sliding recently. Mm. So definitely shout out to Avant. Underrated artist, definitely. You got a couple of hits. And moving on to movie and show reviews. Echo, what we got coming up? Uh, We got Ant-Man coming up. Oh, damn. We got Ooh. Ant-Man coming up in like, what, two weeks? Two weeks. Two weeks. That that's the biggest thing. Uh, but like we told y'all before, Glass Onion, Last Chance You, Snowfall Season Six episodes coming up soon. Kaleidoscope. Uh, we got some some heavy hitters for y'all coming soon. But that Ant Man for sure. That's the premiere one that we're gonna make sure we get to y'all. Man, that shit finna be crazy, man. Y'all better too. I tap in with that Ant Man. That shit finna be nuts. And uh, that's it. You got anything else for this episode? Uh, oh, I just want to thank Marvel for not showing us too much of the damn movie. We only got two trailers. That's all they've shown us. We ain't seen nothing else. Thank God. <laughs> thank you, Marvel. Because y'all just ruined Black Panther with all them damn scenes y'all showed. Still underperformed, underwhelmed by that film. <laughs> but that is on Disney Plus if you want to go watch Black Panther if you're in the mood for it. It is Black History Month. Damn, we forgot to I say would... that shit. Shut up. Oh, Black yeah, History damn. Month. Damn, yeah, Black History Month. That's crazy. Happy Black History Month. Yeah, I swear uh, to God. Oh yeah, two black super, uh, two black starting quarterbacks for the first time ever in the Super Bowl. Great thing. Um, Beyonce announced her tickets during Black History Month. I might go broke trying to get me a ticket. Those uh, tickets <laughs> crazy, boy. That was like six hundred oh, to see. Yeah, I'm gonna be in a nosebleed for the six hundred. I'm here. I'm about to say it's six hundred for a nosebleed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I've That's never true. seen Beyonce before. Because yeah. Drake going on tour this year, too. He just ain't announced no dates yet. But, bro, I've seen Drake before. I will sacrifice not seeing Drake this year to see Beyonce, bro. I've never seen Beyonce, and I have to, bro. I got to see her. I got to see her, and I got to see Chris Brown before he get too old to black backflip. I got to. Damn. I say the same thing about Brian. I seen Steph Curry last week in person, bro. I was in, uh, I was in Oakland. Oh. Seeing Steph Curry for the first time. Dope as hell. They played against the Raptors, bro. Seeing just seeing greatness in person is fire, bro. So I would I would pay that six hundred just to see Beyonce. It's a dope experience. But hey, appreciate you guys for listening, and we out. Peace.